In a world where combat sports changes on a dime, two men cover the happenings of it all. What's up, everybody? Professional Wrestling. We said the wrestling world was going to change. CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I think it's possible that Goldberg beats Lashley and that Big E beats Goldberg. Because I don't see Big E beating Roman. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. I think corporate ROH is gross. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. The Edge deal is up next year. Do you think he gets here AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. Don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared him to begin with was because AEW Very was going true. to, and they Very were trying true. to sign him. Mixed martial arts. And I think everything leads towards Sandhagen, but I, I don't know. I think TJ could surprise some people. I'm choosing Sanhagen, um, especially with his last two performances. Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan running that back, and the winner of this should definitely get the next title shot. I thought uh, Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the guillotine. That was the stupidest move. You hear Dustin after the fight admitted, though, that there was like a second there where he was like, oh god, he might have me. Do you think Peña has a chance against Amanda Nunez? The card isn't very good, in my opinion. Even the undercard, I don't think is that great. Wayne, Gon, and Lewis could potentially be really boring also. That's possible. Definitely. Boxing. Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. It's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, let's put up our purses against one another and Woodley wouldn't do it. I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this fight. He's going to throw combinations at Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet. First off, I'm going to say congratulations to Tyron Woodley for making $2 million. I would like to see Vitor and Jake, because I think Vitor would beat Jake's ass. Left by a while, so funny that this is the box and people talk about most instead of the best boxers fighting. This is what boxing has become. The promoters have not allowed the best fighters to fight the best. They protect their own interests, they protect their fighters, and they never let the best fight the best. And there's multiple champions in the same weight class, and they still won't fight each other to unify the belts. And this is what has allowed YouTubers to come in and take over the sport. And much, much more. <laughs> I have them this weekend. I'm just gonna let the board fall to me. Dalvin Cook, Zeke, CMC. Hopefully I can get one of those running backs. I did my draft tonight, as y'all can see with my Viking jersey on. You have like your really, really top tier wide receivers, but then there's a pretty big drop off. They didn't speak English. So like the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak English. It absolutely was happening for, for a time in the sport. The reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A thing, because I think it's a moronic, a moronic viewpoint to take. Yeah, I mean, we just saw Andre Arlovsky show up on AEW Dynamite. Like, I, Not only that, we've seen Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky. We've seen Cejudo on Dynamite. We've seen Vitor Belfort on Dynamite. We've seen Jorge Masvidal yeah. and Amanda Nunez. Like, it just, like, the fact that Tony Khan actually just did that. Fightful. <laughs> Fightful. Steven Jensen. Yeah, that's the stuff I got going on. Uh, Fightful Select Weekend Podcast. Support Fightful and Fightful Select. Doug from RBD Tito for Loyal. Are we having fun yet? Because this thing has just got taken to a completely different level. Straight, straight from YouTube.com. Live rounds. The marksmen have arrived. Have arrived. Watching live rounds with Doug and Steven and being introduced to you by the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Rounds, episode 62. A um, lot of fun stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, I'm going to get into um, some AEW stuff, some WWE stuff. We're going to cover the Lex Luger documentary. We're going to talk about um, basically all things in the world of pro wrestling. Not a whole lot to talk about in MMA. We basically just have the Dominic Cruz versus Cheeto Verified, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And uh, yeah, we're getting closer and closer to football. Can't wait. So uh, how are things going, Stephen? Going well, going well. Yes, very excited that football is getting closer. Uh, we have started trying to organize this year's fantasy football draft uh, amongst my yeah. friends. So it's that, that time of year now, which I'm getting very, very excited for. Um, today, uh, worked a shoot job and then uh, did an interview with Jameson Ryan and the Diamond Sheik, who are both out of the Nightmare Factory. Uh, they're having a show this Sunday here in Atlanta that I'm going to, and uh, me and Jeremy just interviewed those guys before the show tonight. Um, and I also caught up on the Lex Luger biography today. I watched like half of it on my lunch break today at work and then finished it before the show. So um, it's been a it's been a good good Thursday. Looking forward to talking some wrestling and maybe a little MMA because yeah, that Cheeto and uh, Dominic Cruz fights a very very interesting matchup. And yeah, man, how you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, we uh, this Michael has jokes tonight because we brought in Brett Maher and like I hate him. He is a kicker that we had. He's really bad. He can kick like 65-yard kicks, but he can't kick 32-yard kicks. Mm, yeah. And uh, I just don't understand how you can have a kicker that was so bad and you move on from that kicker and then you bring him back because your kickers are really terrible. Like we brought in this kid, Jonathan Garibay, uh, from Texas Tech, who played well in college, and now all of a sudden he can't hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, he's he he went four for eight, like most practices, like shanked kicks and like almost hit people with the ball, oh, like no. kicked a 45 yard field goal and it was like 20 yards short. I mean, it's just been a disaster. So, uh, we went and got Brett Maher. And I mean, dude, the guy just every time he goes up there, you're so nervous if he's going to make it or not. So, yeah. and I know you've gone through kicking yeah, issues before, a lot of it, yeah. but I, but imagine like finally being done with a kicker that's terrible and then bringing him back. Like, oh no. I feeling. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and I'm now I'm, now I'm blanking on the Vikings current kicker. Cause he's actually, he's actually pretty good. Like we, you know, we've, we've stuck with him. Um, and I don't know how I'm blanking on his on his name at the moment. I'm Greg Joseph. Um, but yeah, I had I mean some of the biggest tragedies in like Vikings history of me as a fan throughout my life mostly stems from field goal kicking. Like, yep. I mean, 1998 champ NFC Championship game. It was 97 or 98. I always forget. The, it was the 97 season that like went into 1998. However, you yeah, there you I, go. Whichever way you're supposed to. I always forget which year technically is, but yeah, it's 97. Yeah. 97. So, um, so yeah. Um, uh, Gary Anderson misses a field goal. His first field goal he missed in like two seasons. And yeah, really you know, good that, kicker. Yep. It was incredible. And it's so sad because he was incredible. 
And uh, what did I say, Greg Anderson? Did I say Greg Anderson? I mean, Gary Anderson, if I, but Gary, because there was also Morton Anderson, which we also had at one point. Um, but Gary Anderson was such a good kicker, and he's only really remembered for missing that that field goal that led to the Falcons winning and going to the Super Bowl, which is just crazy. And that was my first real, like, real season as a football fan, too, because being a Vikings fan, like, my dad was a Vikings fan because he's from North Dakota. And it was like, so I, I was like, inherently became a Vikings fan, didn't know much about football. And my first real season of being a fan was like Randy Moss's rookie year and like seeing Chris Carter, like, you know, doing his thing and Robert Smith. And like, it was a great season to get into football for me as like a 10 year old kid. And then missing that field goal. I always figured that would be what it was like every year though. It's like, oh, well, we'll just win the Super Bowl next year. And now right. it's like, you know, 30 years later, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, things are, uh, or, you know, for me, I guess 20, 25 years later or whatever, things are like, still, we still haven't done it. Then later on, um, we had, uh, that, uh, Blair Walsh, who was like the guy you just described, who could hit 50 yard field goals, missed a 27 yarder that yeah. kept us out of the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, I mean, just anyways, that's just to say people kind of underestimate how valuable field goal kickers are. Even in fantasy football, like I'll take a really solid field goal kicker over some position players that are, because like they just, the, the ones that are automatic that are actually like really reliable are pretty rare to find in the league. Like that you can really, really count on to not screw up for you. So. Yeah. I mean like this year it's Tucker and McPherson. Those are the two best kickers Ravens in Cincinnati, but um our league that we're doing we're, we're getting rid of the kicker oh, we really? are we're just adding an extra flex spot so no kicker um it's gonna be fun because i don't like the two quarterback but i do like an extra flex so i think that's gonna be dope um justin tucker I, i've had him like every year for the past like five seasons <laughs> and i've been doing uh a lot of mock drafts lately and like the thing that i just noticed the most is wide receiver is deep deep get your running backs get your running backs early and wide receiver can go on for days especially like i'm looking at some young studs too like guys that are rookies that can turn out to be something i think mm -hmm. that uh there there's a bunch of them from uh sky Moore to pickens to chris alave to i mean you name it there's just a bunch of guys at the end that you probably should just grab just put a flyer on and i think at least one of them's gonna pop yeah, I'm I'm in an interesting position because because being in a two quarterback league where mm -hmm. you know we we start two QBs, we have three defensive players and a defense kicker. Like so, there's a lot of intangibles. We have a flex as well, um, and uh, it's like half half a point PPR. But but for for us, usually the quarterbacks are the most valuable, unless you just get like a complete stud running back, like uh, you know. But but for us, mainly like the 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 top QBs go pretty early because once again, it gets so saturated. What in a, in a you got to start two QBs, so like toward you know the the drop off is pretty huge after a certain point. So um, I'm in a position where I think I'm picking like eighth or something. So most of the good quarterbacks, like the elite quarterbacks, are probably going to be gone. So I'm hoping Justin Jefferson's there because he's the one wide receiver that I think is worth taking in the first round. Because with this new offense that the Vikings are going to have with Kevin O'Connell, he's going to be all over that field. Like y'all think y'all thought Justin Jefferson was impressive with 
what he's done the last two seasons under, you know, I mean, under Mike Zimmer, who didn't even want, didn't even play him his first like two or three games of his career, just out of like, he's a rookie. We just don't play him. You know, it's like he went from that to like this, he's going to have a good year. So I'm hoping to get Jefferson and on the rebound, even though it's a big stretch, I'm going to probably take Kirk Cousins because I want that combination, the combination points between those two. So um, that's kind of my strategy this year. And being a Vikings fan, obviously, like that's kind of it gives me a lot to root for during the football season. So, yeah, wide receiver. I mean, Devontae Adams, Chase, Justin Jefferson, they're all there. Like you, Cooper either, Cup. Cooper Cup. Yeah. Like those, those are like the top four you could go. And I mean, in any order, you'll be okay. So, um, yeah. the ones that concern me are like Debo and Tyree Kill because. Debo doesn't really want to be a running back anymore. Now, granted, he signed a new contract, so he'll probably be like okay with it for a while. But um, and then Tyreek, man, like without Mahomes, I don't know what he is. Especially I'd, since I'd he like, has Waddle, who has like a yes, yeah, Stefan's good too. Since he has Waddle, who has like a similar um, skill set, I just I just don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on that. Plus two is the quarterback. I like guess just a. It's a gamble, but it could pay off. Same thing with like CMC. Like if he if he can't stay healthy, you just completely wasted your first overall pick or your first round pick. So I don't know. I think I think two is actually pretty solid. Like he's shown flashes of that he could be really good with like the right uh people around him. But it's also too early to like really heavily invest, I feel like. So it's yeah. It's- I think the thing with Tua is like a lot of people forget is he came off of hip surgery and right. uh like that was just like his first, like, he still hasn't been fully healthy. Now he has an offensive minded head coach. Like, I don't think that he's as bad as people think he is. And what's funny is, is a lot of people are like, well, Jalen Hurts is better than him. Like, dude, he took Jalen Hurts' job at Alabama. So, like, let, let's pump the brakes there. So, right. we'll see what happens. Hell yeah. Can't wait. The- Hope I'll be back. We're getting there. I mean, all the lineups for the preseason starts this week. So, We'll start to really get this thing going and we'll it'll less than a month. I mean basically a month. Yeah. We'll, we'll have football. So month away, new Cobra Kai comes out at the same time. Can't wait for that. They show Mike Barnes is uh gonna be in Cobra Kai season five and that kind of like completes all the cameos that I've wanted. So I'm super stoked for that. Yes, I think next month is also uh game changer season two for the Mighty Ducks. I'm pretty yeah, sure. September twenty eighth, I think it is. Yeah, so it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be terrible. It's gonna that be terrible. Bombay, it's just it just feels wrong. So it's like Mighty Ducks without a soul. Yeah, it really is. I mean yeah, especially based on circumstances, it's just ridiculous. Like yeah. where where we're at now, like I hope they work that out. Yeah. We just gotta pray for that as uh it's just a summer camp thing for one season. Right. Next next season, Bombay's back. We get the big Bombay and Charlie Conway like reunion and some of the old ducks that couldn't be there for the filming of the first season and stuff. And I mean, let's Yeah. But th- this also might suck so much ass this season that like they just don't bring it back. That's ever what I'm again. concerned about. That's what yeah. I'm concerned about. And what a pathetic legacy that will leave behind. Man, that'd yeah. be like that'd be worse than Space Jam 2, I think, if that were to happen. Like Space Jam 2 was a tragedy. Like that was like really one of that's a prime example of like you sometimes you you just really 
like you kind of get what you ask for, right? It's like we asked for like 20 years for Space Jam 2, and then it came out and it just was terrible. And it was like same thing with like Dumb and Dumber, like and like all this stuff that they're bringing back like two decades later. Like let's just leave it alone. Like it's like it's not. Like we I mean, stuff. I don't I don't know how many times I have to say <laughs> yeah. it, but when corporations take IPs and just want to make money off of them and they don't care about the product, mm-hmm. this is the type of stuff that happens. So yeah. uh and a lot of those people that were responsible for Space Jam 2 are gone. They're fired. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about when it comes to AEW. Um Meltzer made a statement basically that AEW's new TV contract doesn't look good. It's in trouble, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I wouldn't lead that much into it because they're saying that they're doing heavy budget, budget cuts, which Mm -hmm. they are, but they're cutting crap. That's, that's the difference. Like now if they view AEW as crap, then we're in trouble. But if they like the ratings, if they're happy with where things are going, then it's going to be okay. But I am concerned about it. They just seem tight type uh, penny pitchers. Like I just don't see, because the problem is, is they're based out of reality TV. They're based of not paying a ton of money and making ratings and content and all that stuff. And when you're asking for huge contracts to continue on, that's a concern. And I, I think that AEW is kind of at a crossroads right now um, where like there is nobody new walking through that door and we've we are at a point to where this needs to be your core focus and then what do you do because you have roh in limbo you have a lot of product like people don't care about rampage anymore hardly anybody's watching rampage it doesn't feel like must-see tv anymore um I just think that that's somewhat concerned. Plus, with Triple H taking over the WWE, like there's momentum there. Like people are excited about that, and all the momentum that AEW had, it's just kind of. I'm not saying it's gone, but it's just in stalemate right now. Now, Grant, I think if something like a Kenny Omega comes back, or they work some things out with MJF, CM Punk comes back, like yeah, you can definitely boost some things. But man, I I I hate the fact that they are with Discover. Warner Brothers right now because they are going through a weird transition. I don't know if you know about the whole Batgirl thing. The wait, ba- but, bat, for Batgirl, you're saying? Yeah, Batgirl. Okay. So they made a movie called Batgirl. It was from mm-hmm. the directors of Bad Boys 3. Like Michael Keaton was Batman in it. Brendan Fraser was a villain. Um 90 million dollars they spent on this movie. The movie is done. The owner watched the movie, Discovery. Zaslov basically watched the movie, and they cut it. They threw it in the trash. $90 million just gone. What? Yes. They'll ne- you'll never see that movie. And they were like, the actors and the director were informed, like, we're not releasing this. Because they care more about their image than actually, like, making a profit off of that movie. Wait, so who's this? The Who... Who are we talking about that that decided this? Like, David Zasloff. David Zasloff is the owner of Discovery, and he's the okay. one that's like the head of all this. And he is he is a nasty man. But hold on, you were saying they're like penny pinching, but they're willing to just like burn ninety million. Yeah, yeah. 
That's like, like an oxymoron, though. Right. So what they're basically doing is, is they're willing to cut the crap. They're willing to take losses. So while they're taking losses right now, they're not going to want to offer huge amounts of money. They're not. Oh, I see spend. what you're saying. Okay, it's that like, makes sense. I see. It's like you, it's like you bought a bad business and you right. realize it's a bad business and you are in rebuild mode. I so see. you're like, we're going to focus on Superman, Batman, all this stuff. We're not going to go down the making spending hundred million dollars to put on HBO max. Where do we get a return in that? It's got to go to the movie theater. Like this whole streaming thing now is getting thrown to the wayside. Like everybody's saying, look, movie theaters are back. Put this stuff out in the movie theaters. This streaming idea was terrible. And that's basically like what Hollywood's philosophy is now. So this movie wasn't going to be made straight to HBO max. And he just threw it in the trash. Wow. See, like the what I the way I thought you were explaining it was like that they just have so much money that they're willing to just be like, yeah, screw it. It's just 90 million. Well, it, like whatever. It, it's more of like, oh, it's 90 million. That's a lot of money. We gotta make sure we're not losing. Like, why are we spending so much on this thing, that thing, the other thing when we're right. losing this this kind of money? I see. Um, yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um I like- had no idea about that. So like the previous regime did a Clint Eastwood movie that like they basically knew would make no money, but they did it anyway out of loyalty to Clint Eastwood. And David Zasloff was like, so we made a movie knowing we were going to make no money off this movie. And they were like, yeah, but you know, Clint's been great to us for 30 years or whatever. And he's like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. Like, like he, he is running this as a business and uh, he's the Nick just the, of, of discovery. It kind of yeah. is, yeah. is just yeah. the uh, merger of doing discovery and HBO max and putting them as one is going to save them $3 billion in one year. So like they are finding ways to make save money, but they are willing to eat money to get out of the red and to make nothing but like positive content. So right. it's like everything that the previous regime did is somewhat in question. Now I've never really heard them go after AEW say anything about AEW. Tony Khan says everything's positive, but I also think Tony's kind of a salesman. So like I don't I don't know. But I just know that if they're like expecting a monster television deal, I just don't know if it's there for them. But I will say this. I think they're dedicated to live sports. And if you if you view AEW in that live sports category, which I think that they should, because it's a reason for people to tune in and not just DVR it, like want to watch it live then I think that they have some legitimacy that they, they still could get a decent deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm really not too worried about, about it. Cause I know that AEW does so well, like for like, you know, depending on how you look at it, you know, I think that most people could understand how much growth this company has had in this short amount of time and how much money that they do make. Like, it's really impressive, but at the same time, I get what you're saying when, when you're also dealing with people making decisions that, normally can make their content pretty much for free and only profit off of it versus a show like AEW that is going to cost money and then, and then make money over time. But right. 
yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to really worry about it or think about it too much unless it becomes like a real, like a real concern. I don't think it's at that point as of now, but I, but I didn't know anything about like the guy that ran discover like that. So that that's interesting to me. He also has control of what happens to this flash movie and Ezra Miller just got charged for burglary or whatever. So like, I don't know what's going to happen there either. And that was Wait, $200 so they, million. Dollars. Right. Oh. So did they find that guy? I think, I don't know. Like, I know that there's like, keep they keep finding things about him, but I don't know if they've actually found him, arrested. Like, I know they haven't arrested him. I know that. There's no way you can release that movie. There's just no way. You can't it's do it. It's such a mess. It's such you a can't mess. can't do it. But like, imagine like just coming in and already taking $300 million loss of just two movies. Like, you've got to be so disgusted about what had happened previously. The only way you can do it is you'd have to, and it takes so long, but they would have to CGI somebody else's face on, on his face for every, everything in that movie. If they released it, yeah. like you just, you know, yeah. yeah. And I don't know how much that would cost. I don't know about the reshoots, all that yeah. stuff. So, Oh, speaking of yeah, just real quick, shout out to better call Saul. One, one episode left coming up on this, this Thursday, but it's a, uh, it has been quite the journey for people who have been following along. So, yeah, I just want to throw that out there, too. While we were talking about some some kind of TV show type stuff, I wanted to give that a shout out. It's been pretty, pretty uh, incredible, in my opinion. Yeah, for so, sure. Ezra, Ezra Miller and Amber Heard. Way to go. Oh, Amber Heard. Isn't she like not in like movies now because of the whole Johnny Depp thing? Well, she's not getting any work, but the last movie she's in was Aquaman too, and that's supposed to come out from Warner Brothers as well. So I mean, they have they have a big mess. Oh. They have a big mess. So it's a uh, it's it's wild over there right now, and like wow. they're talking about possibly getting rid of DC Comics. Like they'll keep the DC brand, but comics now just don't sell anymore. They're probably talking about gutting the Cartoon Network selling the cw like they just th there's a lot going on backstage right now Oof. that's yeah. interesting yeah cartoon network i don't hear i mean obviously i'm not really in like the age bracket to like really know i mean i guess adult i, I imagine adult swim is still like somewhat successful but that's yeah, like kind of its I own brand know. at this point yeah yeah I'm, I'm i just i just find it fascinating that like whatever Tony Khan had done, it's like a whole new ownership has come in now. And so it's like, he's got to basically prove himself all over again to some of these people. And it's one thing to like, yeah, they're happy with whatever they're getting when it's cheap. But like, what if he wants five times the amount than what they're paying him right now based on that? Like then what happens? That's my concern. And the thing is, is WWE is going to get another huge deal. And Nick right. Khan knows how to negotiate because he's a former sports agent, one of the top sports agents. So he knows how to negotiate. I'm, I'm sure Tony does, too, to a certain extent. But in my opinion, I think Tony really needs to be willing to leave Warner Brothers if it comes down to it. Like shop AEW if you have to, because the next TV deal is critical in my opinion, especially when you own ring of honor, what are you going to do with it? Like there's just a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Okay. So WWE buys AEW to put it on oh, USA God. network and then Cody takes over AEW and then we're back to where we, it began, but now Cody runs all of it. 
and Triple H and Cody are are now they're running Tony, the two brands. Fires Tony Khan on TV live, right? Yeah, right. fired. Hires Eric Bischoff. Um, yeah. Right, you right back, didn't right back to the think start. that I was that important, did you, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's something I am, bud. I, I am really looking forward to like eventually. Even though I don't think Triple H will wrestle again, at least that's how it sounds. Um, when Cody comes back, like they're gonna definitely do some sort of story around. Triple H being in charge now and 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 him smashing in their the history. Yeah, that hit yeah. I can't wait, man. I haven't watched like any WWE TV um since the last pay-per-view. I watched like a couple minutes because uh Better Call Saul ended and my T like it was already I stream off of my computer, like off my Xfinity app. So since it was already up, I was like, let's see what's going on on Raw. And I saw them. The Miz was wrestling AJ Styles in the main event, and uh, that was pretty much all I had seen. But I did watch the Woodstock '99 documentary on Netflix, and yeah, the Miz, it, the Miz is in like the opening, like the opening of it is this him like this is '99 before he'd ever been in the real world, and there's this r- random clip of him like right at the beginning, like yeah, Woodstock '99, you know. And I was like, nice. is that the Miz? Like there's no way yeah. I paused it. I was like, that that's definitely the Miz. Um, but yeah, I, I watched the HBO uh documentary they had done like a year ago on the same thing, which I thought was uh I thought it was uh they, they were both good, uh both good documentaries, but like if you saw one, you kind of saw the other, kind of similar to uh when they did the Firefest, like uh Hulu did one and Netflix did one, and they were both like a lot of overlap, um, but if you don't know the story of Woodside 99, I'd, I'd recommend checking it out. Yeah, it's wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow, awesome. Got a nice super Thank chat. You. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, AEW has been stale without MJF. Mox is a terrible champion. Matches are all same blood. Yes, elbows. And end of match with little suspense. AEW missing an opportunity keeping MJF sideline thoughts. So I was actually talking to somebody about this. And... I don't know if we even really talked about this, but I mean, kind of the reports are is like MJF's not coming back. And I don't know how true that is, uh, yeah. but here, here's my thing. Yeah. what If it is a work, I think they botched it. I think that this thing has been completely botched because he was red hot. Yeah. The momentum is dipped. Yeah. Big time. He yeah. was red hot. And I feel like that he should have at least been sitting in the stands, done something to have some type of presence, whether he was actually involved, whatever the case may be, backstage attacks, just something to have him still do something. And if he is coming back, I mean, how long wait? Three months, four months, six months? Like, I just, I feel like that the crowd was conditioned to expect MJF to be pushed and they basically when he crapped on AEW and Tony Khan he got a massive ovation for it because people were like like they hated him at the beginning of that promo and then basically when he was talking about how he needed to go to the WWE 
and then come back to be treated like a, a legit wrestler or whatever, like that really resonated with the crowd. And then it's like, he calls Tony the mark and then he's out of there. And then now they're talking about him possibly only doing acting, being in Hollywood, not really returning AEW's phone calls, all this other stuff. And I just feel like it was a missed opportunity because man, he was so over. And I also think it shows his importance because we are missing that like main storyline character right now that usually always has something driven up because I feel like Wardlow was the most over when he was feuding with MJF. I feel like Wardlow has lost steam as well. And if you're going to talk about like the best feud in AEW this year, it was MJF and CM Punk. So if anything, in my opinion, MJF has proven his worth. And I just don't understand if he's not coming, if he's, if he's going to sit home till 2024, if that's the plan, that's a terrible idea. Come to some type of agreement. And man, like I, I just think we need MJF back. Yeah, um, the mystery, I think that's what how that's pronounced, the mystery, uh, 86. I respectfully disagree with almost your entire super chat, but <laughs> I, but that is, I think that you and Doug are right about MJF losing momentum and it is a missed opportunity. Um, I do, I like Mox as champion, I think he's the best option they have with uh, CM Punk not being there, but I do expect Punk to like, he'll be the one to win to unify the titles. Um, and I like the type of matches that they're having. So personally, I disagree with that stuff, but it's okay if you have that opinion. Like, I don't, you know, it's all good, but I, um, with, when it comes to MJF, like I'm actually on the other side of, uh, it's, I've, I've, I'm starting to change my opinion on, on the subject right now, because there, there's, there's like a seesaw to this whole thing though, because, you know, I've, I said, you know, weeks back or months back or whatever at this point that, um, you know, if they brought him back too soon, people would complain like they did when CM Punk came back too soon after leaving WWE with the title belt after beating uh, Cena. Like, you know, I thought that would be a big, a big thing that AEW would want to avoid. You know, because if he came right back, people would be like, "Oh, see, you you wasted it." Like, if you would have waited longer, then you know, it's like everyone's gonna play kind of like armchair quarterback hindsight, you know, fifty fifty or whatever. That's like 2020, I should say. There you 50, go. I said 2020. I was going to let you correct yourself. <laughs> as, as somebody who has very bad vision, um, yeah, I don't, yeah. Anyway, hindsight 2020. Um, you know, it, it's easy to like, but 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 it's easy to to you know think that they should do it a different way or whatever. But I, I as of this moment, I, it does feel like a missed opportunity because. Uh, like he did have a lot of momentum when he left, and right now, I mean, he's just not there. He's not anywhere, and that's that's a bummer. And you know, I I had, you know, I think I think Wardlow's doing a good job. I think he's doing the best job he possibly can, if I'm being honest. But I did fear, like, what would happen, like how he would sink or swim after MJF. Like I, you yeah. know, and with MJF not being there at all. I don't know if it helps him or hurts him. I really have no idea because he's kind of the guy that like ridded and AEW of MJF kind of yep. and, like all in like storyline. 
but then he cut that promo and that kind of like wiped some of that away too. Like if the last image we had was MJF just getting carried out of there, things are a lot different, but because he cut that promo and everyone got to hear him say all that stuff and then people were cheering him because of it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I want to see MJF back soon, but dude, with Triple H in charge, like MJF could be massive in the WWE. Like, agreed. I mean, and agreed. Cody's there. Like, they have the dude. I think. I think they're gonna. They're gonna be real interested in like Ricky Starks when that becomes available. Yep. And I mean, definitely, they're like Cody's. Cody's guys are gonna and girls. Jade. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of them that are gonna be like. I'm not saying Cody's the the only reason they're gonna be joining WWE, but they. People, when when he went back to WWE, that was one of my biggest things I kept saying. And people were like, oh, it's probably not that big of a deal. And I'm like, the relationship he has with those day one AEW wrestlers that like weren't given opportunities on television for all these years. And like, like he is their guy that like got them on TV. And now, you know, like, I mean, it's, we're going to see, I mean, it's, Here's the thing. I'm still not interested in WWE's programming right now because Cody's not there and because th- there hasn't been a whole lot of change yet, but I'm very excited for the potential of the future. Like once start, yeah. once I start seeing like some real changes, I'm like, it's going to be, they, they're, I mean, they will get me back as a regular viewer. I'm, I'm confident of it. It's just a matter of like how long it's going to take before I finally like catch myself watching raw on Monday and being like, like like feeling like I got my three hours worth, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. So. No, I feel you. So a couple thoughts for me. I think the problem with the Moxley Championship is we know he's losing to Punk. Like this is sure. just literally like a rental. It doesn't feel like an actual real title reign for me because, like I said, it just feels like it's 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 almost just like a rental. Um, you're a placeholder is basically what it is. And that to me, it's hard to get that behind. It kind of reminds me of having like those part-time champions, like when Brock would only show up here or there, not saying that Moxley is there. Moxley's there every week. So I'm not saying anything like that, but I'm just saying like, it's just, it doesn't seem as important or as value because the interim thing, I, I didn't like it. I don't like it. I don't think it's a smart idea. He's a champ. Just leave it at Especially that. Especially because coming back like pretty soon. So it's like. Right. Yeah. So I, I get it, but I, I listen, at the end of the day, as soon as Punk comes back, Moxley's going to face Punk and Punk's going to beat Moxley. Like that's just what's going to happen. So I think that that part kind of hurts it. I also think that um, I, I, I just, I just feel like everything kind of is in a standstill till Punk comes back. At least that where we're at with some things now if kenny comes back i think that's a big game changer and i'm also curious of where things are going let's get to some super chats and then we'll go into uh kenny omega sure cool appreciate the super chat guys it's awesome thank you so much for the support and hit that thumbs up the thumbs ups are free if you want to hit that like button uh we appreciate all the support whether it's a like, a subscribe, comment, super chat, all of it. We we appreciate. Even people just in the comments right now, just we're, we're, we got I got we got eyes on on what y'all are saying. So keep uh, keep sure. your voices heard in the chat. For sure. Uh, New Era twenty four. Thank you so much. Uh, thoughts on Miro and Andrade not happy with current booking? Did you see one or both back with WWE or elsewhere? Um, I I don't know. Like 
I, I feel like it's just easy to get lost in the shuffle. It's not necessarily that they're not being used. I think that Miro at certain points has looked the best he's ever looked in his entire career, right? And so I think that you can't not deny that. I think his TNT run was good. I think that uh, he came across as a monster. But, I, I mean, there were definitely times where I looked at this guy and I was like, man, this is like WWE's dream. Like, he would be perfect for them. And then I have to remind myself, like, oh, yeah, he's from there. Like, <laughs> they didn't want him. So, okay, whatever, you know. Um, but I do think, like, the whole uh, – the getting rid of Rusev and making him Miro and, and, and just redoing his character. It's done him well. And I think that, like I said, I, it's the best stuff of his career that he's done. Um, Andrade, I mean, there's, there's, he's had moments, right? Like they both have, they both have had some good stuff. Plus like Andrade is able to work Ric Flair's last match, things like that, that he wouldn't be able to. He's able to work AAA. He's able to be more active, and he's not just at the mercy of, like, a Vince McMahon. Um, do I think if Triple H was there when their contracts were up, would they have gone to AEW? I don't think so. I'm just saying, honestly, I don't think so. But seems like Tony, man, with them contracts, he's pretty sneaky, and I, it sounds like he got Miro to sign a four-year deal in March. So, I mean, he's locked in. He ain't going nowhere. Adam Cole signed a five-year deal. Malachi Black signed a five-year deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if Andrade's right around that same same area. So, um, whether they're happy or not. And I'm going to be honest, like, when I heard Tony Khan talk on the radio and he was basically like, well, Adam Cole and Malachi Black are signed a five-year deal, so good luck with that. Like it was almost like it was almost like him telling them whether you're happy here or not, it doesn't matter. I own you for five years, and I was just like, Ugh, I don't know if that's the best thing to go. So the Giants uh, players are like, see, this is what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? Exactly. I'm not. I'm not getting hugs over here every time I do anything, right? So it's like this is why I wanted out. This is why Jalen Ramsey wanted out and everything else. So, um, so yeah, I don't know, but it sounds like he's a smart businessman and he got them to a long-term deal. So I don't see this happening. But like honestly, if you could make it work, I really think trades would benefit trades would both be so of them. Cool. Yeah, like, and it's not impossible. I really yeah. don't think so. Like, if both want out, like. MJF for this person or vice versa, Ricky Starks for this person or whatever the case may be. Like, I think it's kind of worth exploring. And, and I think if Triple H really wanted to like revolutionize the business and really do something special, like I think that would be huge. It's, it's really surprising we didn't really see that at all with the Forbidden Door. Like we saw a lot of crossover, but no like straight up trades. Right. You know. It's um, kind of tough though, like with Japan. Like, you want to go work in Japan, or you right. want to be in the states, and especially during like the pandemic, where it's like you know you can only have like twenty percent capacity down there or something. Like, that, that's a tough sell. Dude, that's what happened with uh, Mighty Mouse and Askren, though. When you think about yep. it, like, like Mighty Mouse had to go to one in Japan, and Askren yep. came to the states. I mean, crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you with everything you're saying. You know, I. I 
I think that Miro's run as the TNT champion is the best thing he's ever done in his career by far. Like yeah. I, I think he's, he's probably outside of my bias towards Cody. Of course, I would say that Miro is probably the best TNT champion that AEW had like with, yeah. that, with that run he had. Because yep. then the titles, it's been in a weird spot with all like the, the hot potatoing they've done. The Sammy Guevara like, Scorpio sky back and forth really hurt it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and Wardlow's like an experimental champion, yeah. like, yeah, you know, I mean, so I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Miro's definitely lost in the shuffle, though. I, I don't know what you do with him going forward because, like, he's too it good. It looks like him and Malachi Black is kind of where they're going. Okay, wait, aren't they doing? I'm so lost. All right, right now, like. Are they staying in in Malachi and all that stuff? That's like still going on with like Darby and kind and, of and Brody. Because I mean, Brody Darby's King. facing Brody King this the tomorrow right. at the coffin match, the coffin, and right. then and, but like Miro has come out with sunglasses with his eye patch because uh, Malachi sprayed him in the face at uh, um, uh, Forbidden Door. So right. like that's kind of there. So I don't know if if it becomes a three-on-three trios, but I don't think it will unless it's, like, part of a tournament because they're going to have trios matches for the finals, for the belts, and stuff like that. So I feel like it could just be, like, one-on-ones and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I we appreciate the super chat. I, you know, I, I think that those kind of guys are kind of getting lost in the shuffle, but at the same time, AEW's roster is – ultra stacked and what they are spotlighting i think is worth spotlighting like i, I think what they're putting on their show like i think dynamite's been a really good show i you know yeah. i think i i think that the really the only like criticism i think i'm seeing about AEW right now at all is there's there's some people that don't want to see jericho and moxley because you know there's a lot of jericho haters out there but like i'm totally since fine he with got that. in shape like since He's he got fun. in shape and he yeah. like he moves better in the ring, he doesn't look as old. Like I'm I'm okay with it. Like he can hold his own. If he won the title tomorrow, I wouldn't be furious. Be yeah, honestly. me either. I Especially because once again, we we all know that it's going to punk eventually. Anyway. hundred percent. So like hundred percent. Um, if anything, I wish it was like a Brian Danielson that could win the title, and then it would be Brian Danielson and Punk. I think that would be sick, but. I mean, I'm sure Moxley and Punk will be great. No, no doubt about that. For sure. Alexander Fitzgerald, thank you very much for the generous super chat. What are your thoughts on Miro and Andrade liking the tweet about being misused in AEW and being used better in WWE? How would you book them? It would suck for TK with Triple H in charge to lose top stars. Um, kind of went over this, but I'm going to go over just a little bit more on like possibly how I would book them. Uh, with Miro... I think a, a collision between Miro and Wardlow for that TNT title would be pretty cool. Like, yeah, I think, I, like I think if they built that up and it, it, it was like really like a main focus one, like possibly a, a big dynamite headline pay-per-view, like not pay-per-view, but like a headline, like one of their dynamite theme pay-per-views, the main event, 25 minutes, whatever. I think that would be sick. Um, and then possibly Mira winning just be, just out of experience and like Wardlow just wasn't ready yet or, or whatever. I don't know. There, there's ways you could come up with it. Tony's Tony's pretty smart with how he books things. And then Andrade, 
I just think that like he needs to be in more matches to where he is actually being used as a wrestler more frequently. I just think he just doesn't wrestle that often. So I would just have him wrestle more and in some bigger matches. Like he was supposed to face Will Ospreay at Forbidden Door. That would have been dope. I would like to see him in like a Phoenix, Pentagon. Like they're doing him and Roosh versus the Lucha Bros. Like I would like to see him in singles matches versus them. And then uh, possibly like maybe like feuding for one of the Blackpool Combat Club members or something like that. Like him and Brian Danielson, I think would be sick. Like there's just a lot of things. I think he needs to be in that upper tier mid card, not just mid card, but I think he needs to be more in the upper tier, upper tier mid card. That's how I would use both both Miro and Andrade. I think they're both very good wrestlers. For Andrade, it would be interesting. It's interesting for me to think about if uh, I wonder if AEW has softened their stance on Ric Flair at all after the last match. Not not for him to wrestle, but the I'm about idea to say that, don't don't not not, not for not no no. I'm not I'm manager. not. I'm not uh, yeah, yeah, I I would like to see Flair as the manager of Andrade. I think that would like help Andrade's presentation a lot, as long as Flair was not getting in the ring and wrestling. Um, because I think that's kind of where it was all heading towards before um, the dark side of the ring and everything. Um, but I, I, I feel like Flair kind of, he, I mean, he did get canceled to a degree, but I feel like he kind of like weathered it. Like, I don't hear a whole lot of people really bashing him for those things right now coming out of that match. I mean, people are bashing him for doing the match and how bad he looked and everything, but like, yeah, no one's talking about the outside of the ring stuff. Um, coming out of that weekend so uh, all i'll say is about cancel culture is it's all about who supports you if you have a good support system you're not going to get canceled if people are afraid of the mob they're going to cancel you that's really what it comes down to conrad didn't not like not support rick during that time fitterman who had signed an exclusive deal with rick kept booking him for shows and the fans kept showing up and eventually like it just went away but it's when everybody cowers and gives up and basically tries to cancel you then that's when you are toast so so uh so yeah i think if like flair is an option for AEW, um i would do flair as a manager for andrade and then i would uh for miro i'm really not sure um because he's like he's he's too good to just go out there and just be like jobbing out and like just another guy but that also puts you in a weird spot where you're, you're it's, he's in the same spot that Lance Archer's in. Like, they're like, it's like, they're not going to be the champion, but they're like, you, they rarely lose. So like, you know, you can only beat so many like lower card people before people like stop caring and they want to see you beat someone that matters. And like, sometimes they're going to beat that person that matters, but like, they're not going to beat the main champion whenever that and then at some point it becomes kind of like a uh, like a Max Holloway type situation where like you're you know you're right there, but now you're knocking off contenders too. So like Miro, like you know, beating up and coming people stops their progression. It's like so it's like if Miro's not gonna ever get the title, I don't want to see him beating all these other people that might eventually get the title. Right. So like you know what I mean. So 
Um, it, it's it's a it's just a tough spot to be in if you're Mira. So I really don't know what you do with him, but I I do like his presentation. I think he's been the best he's ever been in AEW, like you said. So uh, I hope they figure yeah. something out for him soon. I think I think Mira's thirty seven too. So I mean, like, like a lot of these guys are really just going to be around for like two or three more years, probably max. And then the rest of it is like what you build in the future. So that's why I have a hard time with saying like make Wardlow champion, make MJF champion, make all these people champion because these, if you're going to use these guys, like this is it. Like this, you've got like two, three years to use these guys and then whatever you decide to do. The problem is though, is there's people who like an MJF who's earned his spot and he deserves to be champion. So like, I think you're going to have to make exceptions, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Like, to try to get everybody happy and figure this whole thing out, especially when you just have signed so many people. But it's almost like you signed all these people preparing for what possibly could happen. And now that you did, you're kind of glad you did because you probably would lose out on a lot of these people based on what's going on now. Yeah, very true. This guy, the mystery 86 in the chat, is uh it's very polarizing for me in the chat because he's saying <laughs> he's saying some things that I completely agree with and others that are, are like mind blowing to me. So like like this for instance, I would love if MJF beat CM Punk for the world title. I think that'd yeah. be like the best case scenario for for AEW and for MJF. I love that. We all know that Mox is dropping the the the, the title punk like for sure. hundred percent agree. Give Darby a legit partner to go for the tag titles or something. What do you mean by that? Legit. So you're going to say that Sting isn't legit in this chat? Come on, you man. Calm, you calm down, sir. saying that in here. Sting is I, as legit as it comes. Hey, I just Sting has been he, great for this AEW. For what we expected, he is I agree. super over-exceeded. I definitely agree. But I think he's just talking about a guy that you can actually like wrestle week in, week out, it. and you can defend the titles. And trios. All that stuff. Maybe trios. You know. Yeah. And, and honestly, if Sting became a trios, like he wouldn't have to do much at all. Like he would just have right. to hit a couple spots here, there, and then the other two guys could carry him. So um, it'd be interesting who who we uh, who you would pair with Darby that yeah. would fit. The the main person that would have would have been Mox, but he's doing like a totally different thing now with the Blackpool Combat Club. So like right. that doesn't really make sense anymore. Well, so, then, yeah, like, I don't... Brody King would have made sense, but, like, now he's the enemy, so I, I don't know. You know what would be good, even though I don't necessarily want to see it, because I want to see where where things go for everyone. Well, we're also talking maybe a lot later down the line, but uh, Darby and uh, Ricky Starks could be interesting. Like, we saw, like, Ricky, like, dress up like him that one match. Remember that, where he, like, painted his face like him and stuff? Like... They're kind of around the same size and can both really, really go in the ring. Well, um, maybe maybe if you did something, too, where, like, Ricky has hit a dark point because he's lost right. everything. And then, like, the only person that understands him now is Darby because Darby's in that dark place or something. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Or, you know, it could be Danhausen. Okay. <laughs> so... I, I only said that because I knew that would be your reaction. Oh, oh God. Hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're cursed. Um, <laughs> I, I just cursed Doug, everybody. Um, I just like the fact that they treat Dan Housen like a joke. Like, if they tried to actually make him a serious contender, like, I just, I don't know if I could take it. Yeah. 
So let's talk about AEW, what's been going on. So here's, here's what we've got in the pipeline. The Undisputed Elite has ended. Um, saw this coming a mile away. Uh, I feel like, yes, they said they're not cleared to wrestle yet, but I think they're damn close. So I think that... No, for seeing it coming, like, but did you see it coming like that, like, when it happened on Wednesday? Like, I feel like we all met, thought it was going to happen, but, like, I didn't see it happening on Wednesday. Like, that, oh, that I, did throw me off. I 100% knew. Really? 100%, okay. yeah. I knew that they were going to take out the Bucks. And then, Hangman, dude, they had it. I was damn near about to cry when Hangman came out to save, and Matt was, like, really, like, like – giving out the hand to pick him up and like i just was like oh my god it's right there hug and they didn't do it and then it just was like okay it's awkward again and walks away like damn it i needed that coda kenny moment you know what i mean um but so here's here's what i've heard and then here's like what we'll think could happen or what right so i heard that kenny is close like Kenny is so close the fact that I think he could show up within the next couple of weeks because they're saying, I don't remember what sources I've heard this from, but basically like Kenny and the Bucks will be in this trios tournament. Undisputed elite will be in the trios tournament and hangman will be with the dark order in the trios tournament. And I feel like hangman is going to get fed up with being with losers like, I th- they're going to lose, and then the guys are going to continue on, and he's just going to be over it. Like, he's already started. They're getting on his nerves. You can see it on BTE and all that stuff. So, my question to you is, do they all come together again? Does Kenny, Adam Page, and the Bucks all come together again, or will it be the Bucks have to pick one or the other? Who do you want? Do you want it to be with me, or do you want to be with Adam type thing? I think they're going to all come together as a group of four. Um, I, 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 don't, I just don't know. I mean, and it's exciting to think about because I, I don't know what direction they're going to go ultimately with everything over time. But like, because it feels like also if that were to happen, we've kind of hit just like, like the, like kind of the mountaintop of like the whole thing with, with the elite. And it's like, yeah, okay now what because like eventually it's like are they all gonna eventually break up again and like we've already you know so i uh i i think it makes the most sense here's the here's the kicker if they had roderick strong in AEW, then for sure it would be the four on four but like yeah they don't have him so like and they're not getting him now right so <laughs> they had they had the chance and now it's just man, forget it yeah exactly so like I feel like in that case, Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly need a fourth. Um, I thought it was funny, and this is just like, I'm not throwing shade because this this is, I've said for a long time, I think, and you agree with me, I think that Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are like pretty close, like level-wise, and I think Bobby Fish just is not on the same level as those two guys. Yeah. And like, he's solid. Like he yep. deserves to be there, but he's just not on that the level of those two. And yep. I thought it was pretty funny how Adam Cole's explanation was like, you know, I'm not cleared yet, and um, Kyle isn't cleared yet. 
and you don't want to team with Bobby. And it was like, oh, <laughs> like that shade. Like yeah. that shade. Oh, um, wah, wah. Yeah. So, and then when he turned on him, and I loved how Adam Cole was like yelling at him, you know, I, you think I forgot what you did to me? Like, like yeah. you know, I, it's like there's the callback, which was Cole. basically supposed to happen like after full gear, right? Like, like year this ago. is where, yeah. but, but that's my thing is that's when Kenny was there. And now we're starting that storyline again. So that's why I feel like Kenny is coming back. Like whether it's at the pay-per-view, whether it's before the pay-per-view, I think Kenny's coming back very soon. I agree. Yeah, I think he's definitely coming back soon. I want to see the Hung Bucks as a trio. Like, but I also personally I think the best case scenario would be if the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega become like the trio's champions. And Hangman goes after the world title again with like the support of the elite this time. Like Kenny's not in his way because like he's doing the trios thing. And they're like, all right, the world title like tore us apart before. And like you've lost your confidence and you've regained it and lost it. And you're back and like, this is like, we're doing it right this time. Uh, <laughs> the guy that tore all of us apart is in another company now. So like, you don't have to worry about him. Right. Uh, like, like, the Bullet Club is fine. <laughs> like, the Bullet Club is fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, uh, yeah. And there was, um, there's something else I was going to bring up. I'm sure I'll remember again, but there was something else I was going to bring up about this that we hadn't uh, talked about, but I'll eventually remember. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, Kenny coming back is a big shot in the arm. If you get Kenny Omega back, that's huge. And you have Brian Danielson, then all you're really waiting for is CM Punk. And then it's like, this is what you have. So let's focus on that. And if MJF isn't back by the time CM Punk is champion, then like, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, our um, predictions for tomorrow, do you think that uh, Moxley retains? And do uh, you think Darby wins the casket match? The coffin match. Uh, yeah, I think Darby wins. Um, wait, what was the other match you asked about? Moxley? Moxley and Jericho. Yeah. Oh yeah, Moxley and Jericho. Yeah, I um, I, yeah, I think Moxley for sure is going to retain. But I'm, but I'm totally. I fine think with he's Jericho. coming out like in tights and everything. I think he's going to be full on Lionheart, which I am going to mark out very, very hard for. You know, action I, figure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Fidauer is on it already. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I uh, when I got you know I got into wrestling in the early '90s. I talked about that a lot. But you know, towards like the kind of mid '90s to late '90s, Chris Jericho like became one of my favorite wrestlers like really really fast. And it was while he was still the Lionheart Chris Jericho. And like that's, it's really cool to see what AEW is letting him do with all the, with all this stuff. Um, you know, the Kingston and Jericho barbed wire thing didn't go well, but that's also just, it just is what it is. Like, you know, every time you have a, every, every now and then you have a mess just happens. But, um, I think this is going to be a really good match. I think Jericho is going to take it really, really seriously. And you can yep. see even like when Moxley is like cutting those promos about, you know, that he's gonna wrestle the the last surviving member of the Hart family dungeon. Like yeah, Moxley's yeah. like sm- like you can see he's like marking out a little bit about it. Like he grew up a Jericho fan. You know what I mean? Like yep. So 
Yeah, and this is like a totally different match too than the last one they had. I mean, the last one had like the eye patch storyline and all that stuff. Like this yeah. one's just more of just a gritty wrestling match. Should be good. Yeah. What do you? Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was trying to think. There was, there was, there was something else AEW related that I, it's like I, it's I'm losing my my train of thought. Be like I keep. It was something I wanted to talk to you about, and I can't remember what it was. I hate when that happens. While you're thinking about that, just want to show these off. Got the new Shawn oh. Michaels. This is beautiful. Looks incredible. I saw yeah. Kyle Peterson's review. I'm a. I'm. I'm like my favorite color is red. So just like this is just this is perfect. And then uh, got this one as well. There you go. And that's crazy because this was a year-long wait. I ordered this in August of 2021, and I just got it. And a lot of people's had theirs canceled. So very grateful to have that. Going to take all the Hogan's I can get. Um, it's, it's, it's fun, too, because, like, they lost – when they released Hogan with all the controversy stuff, they lost his license. And they had, like, all these figures in the pipeline that they wanted to do, and they had to cancel all of them. And now that they have the license again, I mean, we're getting everything. NWO, NWO Wolfpack, No Holds Barred, WCW, like, you name it. Like, it's awesome. Dude, yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't have anything to show this week because everything I've ordered either hasn't come in yet or, like, it's a pre-order thing. And, like, I mean, the only thing I bought really in the past week, I think it was in the last week, I uh, actually got it. Finally got a new iPhone. got an iPhone uh, 13 mini. It's, like, way better than the last phone I had. Um, but that's really the that's it. But I but the reason I bring this up with the pre-orders, we're both getting effed in the A over here, Doug. Yeah, because did you get the October, October. What what are we what what about October? For no, Goldberg? No, I didn't. For the Goldberg Amazon that was like supposed to be out like the end of this month. Well, there's some people that already got him, but yeah, I got an email saying wait, October. Wait, what? I haven't <laughs> wait. I hadn't even Steven's, looked. Steven's gonna go full Karen on Amazon. Wait, wait, hold on. Was it was it uh because we did like this like the afternoon pre-order? Do you think? Yeah, I think because we got the second batch. Yeah, because I was like August 18th and they changed it to like October 19th. I gotta look through my emails. Oh, that's weak. So I'll have to take a look at that. But I mean it's it's sick. I'm I'm but what what I was gonna bring up was our Macho Man Randy Savages, the Madness Macho Man Savages yeah, that we both ordered, that we both pre-ordered already, yep. paid our money for already, and there's people just going and getting them a Target, and we yep. don't have ours in the mail yet. Yep, that is Target all day long. That's they, ridiculous. Yeah, you um, know what'll happen is like they'll completely run out of stock, and then they still won't send you the figure. Like it'll take forever. It'll take to like to the point to where it's like at every store, and then you'll finally get your figure. It's annoying. That's so lame. So, the only good thing about it is though is you can cancel anytime, and they won't charge you. So like if you do find it in a store, just buy it in the store and just cancel your online order. Okay, I didn't know that. So maybe yeah. I, I mean maybe I will do that. And then my uh my. Jericho one of three thousand AW shop, you know, it got lost in the mail. I was talking about that last yep. week and it never came in. So the dude mailed me another one that's supposed to be here by Thursday. So like wow. Um good dude, you know. I'm gonna definitely buy from him again. I feel bad that it's the situation it is. Like, I mean, this guy 
he's out, you know, I mean, but he was really, really nice about it. You know, it was like, he, you know, he's a guy that'll definitely do business with in the future, but it was, that sucked. You know, he, he put the wrong address. I did everything I could to prevent that from happening, but you know, it just, it just is what it is, but I should have that to be able to show next, uh, next Tuesday. Hopefully we'll have our Randy Savages. I mean, that'd be great. I know I've ordered other stuff too. I, it's bad that it's gotten to this point now because I've, I've done a lot of pre-ordering lately. So I don't even remember yeah. everything that I've bought. Um, so yeah, I'll just start getting random stuff in the mail. So, so Fitterman announced his latest, uh, new people that he's bringing in and, uh, it's Bret Hart. It's Biggie. It's, um, Natty. It's, uh, it's, uh, Goldberg. I think I'm going to do, I think I'm going to meet Goldberg. I haven't met him before yet. I think Dude, you got to get him that. to sign the ultimate. That'd be sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. It's just too expensive because you have to pay double. So if I oh, you do a picture, photo op, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I figure when I'm like probably in my fifties, when I don't want to take photos anymore or anything, then I'll start just getting them to sign everything. Like I'll yeah. do that way. If I paid for him to sign an ultimate, would you, would you do that? Yeah, I could do it. Okay. I might actually do that then. Even if you can give them the one that you were squashed. Well, it depends on when we get them, I guess. And when, when, when are they coming? It said October, but I mean, it changes. Yeah. But like Shawn Michaels is going to be there. I can get this ultimate Shawn Michaels signed. I have. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I have. Uh, so it's going to be Rey Mysterio, Rhea Ripley, Natty, Big E, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Goldberg. Dominic Mysterio, Charlotte, and Liv Morgan have been added. Okay, so I'm definitely not going to ask for Liv Morgan, considering we don't even want to update her in the banner be below us because she's such right. a paper champion. Um, yeah. But, yeah, okay. I, I would love to get a Bret Hart autograph. I don't know what figure I would want. Maybe a Funko He's not. Rep. He's not that bad. He's only 69. Like, Goldberg's, Goldberg's like 99. Or Goldberg maybe 99. 89 for his signature. But, um, but, uh, I was thinking, isn't it crazy? Like Brett and Goldberg are going to be in the same building. Dude. I just saw that Goldberg and Jericho were doing a podcast. Oh, really? He's going to be on talk as Jericho soon. I saw. So like, that's nice. going to be fun. Cause I'm sure they're going to talk when about we fought, this fight. Remember yeah. when we fought in like King of the ring or whatever it was not King of the ring. It was, um, it was uh, bad blood, I think. Cause they had that match. I was at that match where uh, Jericho faced Goldberg and he was getting booed by the WWE fans. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm wondering what they do there. That'd be funny. Yeah, if that be interesting. Just, that'd be funny if Goldberg was just like, yeah, man, kick my ass. I'll admit it. <laughs> like, wait, uh, really? Um, I really don't see that happening. No, either do I. Either do I. Um, I thought it would be dope, though. Wouldn't it be dope if they did a dual photo op of Brett and Sean? Oh, yeah, that'd be incredible. That'd be that'd crazy. Be you get to wear uh, a referee's shirt and pretend like you're all Hebner. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Brett would like that too much. Ring the bell. Yeah. <laughs> you get to your, your video off to ring the bell. Let's show Sean and Brett standing by, <laughs> on both sides of you. Oh but yeah, dude, like, Fitterman's turned out to be a pretty crazy event because it's got Floyd Mayweather, Roy Jones, George Foreman, Adrian Peterson, Tony Dorsett. You mix that in with all those WWE wrestlers, like it's gonna be a fun weekend. I'm gonna be broke as hell. Yeah, yeah. Now I gotta 
start thinking about the people you're going to be seeing and, and, and just like paying you to get autographs I want and just pay you for the shipping and everything to, yeah, just, JS, I'll cover, I'll cover all of the shipping obviously and everything for you to send it to me. So like JSA is only 10 bucks. So if you want it, it'd JSA, be worth it. It'd yeah, be worth it's definitely it. worth yeah. it because they charge based on who it is. And at the event, they don't. So like if say you had Floyd Mayweather and you just brought it up to them, they would charge me way more than $10 to verify that. But at the event, they won't. So what, um, who are you seeing soon? There's, there's a, there's one sooner, right? With Ric Flair. No, this is, this is all of it. Yeah. Ric Flair's on this too. Oh, that's like, all. That's all in October. This, yeah. It's it, no, it's at the end of August. It's at the end of August. Oh, okay. I was saying, so like the October is when the Goldbergs are supposed to show up for us. Yeah. So I might, but I, but, hold, but don't hold your breath. They change dates a lot. Like all oh, of a I sudden see. you could be chilling there. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, we just, we actually have more shipment than we thought. Here's your order, you know. Gotcha. They do that to cover themselves, so you're not sitting there expecting it. But if they have it, they'll send it. Hell yeah! Okay, good deal. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely hit you up about that off off stream. Cool. We'll figure something out. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually selling a Kimbo autograph to get the Roy Jones, just because I need, I need to, I can't pay for everything. So the guy's gonna buy my Kimbo autograph for Roy Jones uh, photo op. So, Oh, nice. Like yeah. someone you're going to the, like this meeting at the show, you're going to like exchange with yeah. them. Oh, nice. I, I, you see kind of the same people all the time over there. So oh, it, same thing, like indie shows and all that, like it's the same type of people uh, that are at these things too. So just fandom's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. I have not been at the wrestling shop in San Antonio, but I definitely know it is. I've definitely met the owner. Um, he's come to Loco Wrestling before. Uh, I've seen it also on um, uh, Matt Cardona, uh, the Major Bros, uh, when they went in there. It's really like um, uh, Mattel heavy. So uh, I would I would definitely go if I could, but I I'm not in San Antonio very often. The last time I went to San Antonio, I used to just go just so I could go see ROH shows, and that was a long time ago. So every, every time you bring up loco wrestling, I the first thing I always think about is how you you talk about how Jaime would like would like kind of pull or like gauge the fans on like what they wanted to see in the company. He's like, "Yep, oh y'all want midgets? I can get y'all midgets." <laughs> like, yep. I remember, I just, yep. that just stuck out to me so much like y'all want midgets i can get y'all midgets like okay like the <laughs> only reason i'm giving up my kimbo is because i have a i have a kimbo with a fedor and a hoist gracie all signed so that's the only reason yeah. i'm i'm doing that otherwise i i wouldn't but that's a tough one man because kimbo and you can't ever well, and, dude, if you if you go to eBay right now, like there's not a lot of them, and they're over a hundred dollars. Like I'm giving this guy a deal, but he's he's hooked me up before, so that's oh, okay, like, that's cool, yeah. that's cool. And you know, it's going to like like someone who like knows what's up too. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah this is just sure. some like random, yeah. No, no like no. even 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 when like I uh, trade with people or sell certain things or buy certain things, I'll even tell people. When I buy certain stuff, I'll be like, 
hey, I know this probably wasn't easy for you to sell because you've held on it for so long, but like this is going to a good home. Like I'm gonna like this is going in my like this is right. gonna be displayed and, and enjoyed and seen every day. Like, especially for people that I know are just keeping stuff in boxes. I'm like, yo, I'll buy that from you. And like if you're never looking at it, like I'll actually display it and like, you know, show it to people when I'm on like camera and stuff talking about wrestling. So like all y'all, yeah. you know, I'll I'll really enjoy having this stuff in, in my collection. Um so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's expensive to be a fan. That's all I gotta it say. Is. It is. But yeah, hopefully we'll start getting more of our uh stuff that we ordered soon. Well, you coming. know what's funny too is the turnaround is actually not that bad. So I mm -hmm. I remember all the things I saw at WrestleMania during Access, and like literally everything has come out at this point. So basically from like March to August everything that they previewed has come out so it's not too bad of a turnover nice yeah the uh i gotta get the that supreme cody soon i saw i know that's on back order again i'm hoping that starts showing up in, in stores though like yeah i'm wondering how that's gonna be because it's expensive and i just don't know like how many stores are gonna be down to carry that i can right. see target but i don't know all the other ones the CM Punk line is starting to show up in Target too. Oh, so, is it? Okay, mm -hmm. I I haven't been in a minute uh, to Target or Walmart, but somebody um, found the Chase and it's going for like seven hundred dollars. Right? I saw now. that. That was in our Facebook group that we're both yep. in. Yeah, um, I saw that. And those were Facebook. bids. That's not like a buy it now. Those were bids. So it's seven eleven still going. Dude, that was nuts when you sold your Series 2 of AEW for like 700 plus or whatever. It was great. Yeah. It was a great deal. I wish I would have done the same thing. <laughs> we, were, we were both so concerned. It was pandemic and like we didn't know if these things were ever coming out again. And like it was so hard to get our hands on. And I just I kept mine. And then you just rebought them for like retail price when they re-released them. Is the Royal Rumble in San Antonio I have in no January? Idea. If it Asking is the wrong that, guy, if it is that would that would probably be Cody winning the Royal Rumble. I would think. Oh, he's gonna win the Royal Rumble either way. I think. But I'm just saying, being in San Antonio, like it might actually be worth going to because oh, Cody right. winning the Royal Rumble. Right, I see. It yeah. actually go there, and they said, "See, I don't understand what they plan on doing though, because they're saying that Roman and Rock is definitely the plan." But to me, it's like. Roman and Rock, I think, could be a great story, but like, I just don't really need it to be for the title because I know Roman is going to win, and the real match is Cody and Roman. Like, Cody doesn't take an L all the way up till then. He wins the Royal Rumble, and he looks like the chosen one to beat Roman Reigns. And then can he win it for the Rhodes family and all? Like the story is set. I don't know where we're what we're doing with the Rock. Like I, I just think that that's a like I understand box office money match, family line, the bloodline. I get all that, but man, like to me, the story is set for Cody and Roman. Yeah, no, I agree, and I feel like at this point. Like it's still huge to do Roman and The Rock, and I, I hope that they, I hope we do get that match at some point. But I also feel like we've been saying this like year after year for like four WrestleManias now, and it's like, well, how about we just have Cody be the guy who beats him and like get that title and like do it at WrestleMania? Just 
if you have a real opportunity here with Cody, like I know I, I get that I'm a very biased perspective on this. Like I understand, but like I think even from the outside looking in, even it's pretty obvious it's like you don't have that many options of people in that kind of position that would that could beat Roman and it actually makes sense. Like the story makes sense. Cody's legitimate in the way he's been portrayed in the WWE is like on the same level as as someone like Roman, like came in I, and beat I, Seth Rollins three times. Like, you know, I mean, like what else? I kind of really I, I kind of like this idea. Ooh. Oh, I love that idea, especially. Oh, yeah, that's the best idea. Vincent Valentine, congratulations! You—that's the best comment of the night, right there. Comment of the night for um, sure. Yeah, that's um because then you get best of both yeah, worlds, oh and then if if Roman loses, he can blame that he was already had a match with The Rock. Like you could go a lot of different routes, but like if you bought a ticket to WrestleMania. And night one, you get Rock and Roman. Night two, you get Cody and, and Roman. And Cody wins the title to close the show. Like, man, that, you can go go wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. I wonder what Cody would do night one. Or if he just, like, don't even risk, like, I, he doesn't something wrestle. happening. He doesn't wrestle. Yeah. Some, some storyline-wise, it's just, like, he gets Roman night two or whatever. Roman maybe opens his mouth too much, like, I'm unbeatable. Nobody can beat me. I beat them all. I run this company, all this stuff. And then, you know, Triple H comes out, and they're like, well, you get the Rock night one, you get Cody night two. See, see if you can do that. So I think that'd be that'd dope. Be, that'd be that'd – be. Yeah, especially because it's like Roman beats The Rock and the whole world sees it and they get all this publicity. And then the next night, Cody beats that guy. Yeah. 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 That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. And like you would just leave so happy. Like it just would be such a great way to end oh, that, yeah. that weekend. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it, it just writes itself. Like I, I like that. Speaking real quick, I don't know how deep we can go into it, but like Tony Khan is talking about doing two nights for AEW pay-per-view, and I do not like that at all. And one of the main reasons I think WWE can get away with it and AEW can't is because you pay a $5 membership for Peacock. And so it's like two nights, whatever. If you have to have people pay money two nights in a row to buy your show – they're probably just going to pick and choose which one's the best card. I think it'll affect things. I I think, you know, when you get people to come over for a pay-per-view, it's hard to get them to come over back-to-back nights, like to have like pay-per-view parties. It waters down the effect. I understand why they want to do it because they have so many wrestlers and they want to use them, and I get that. But I I think that what they should do are some of those matches need to be cut from the pay-per-view and they need to be on Dynamite and Rampage. They have a live Rampage. Focus on that, those matches for that, and then have the pay-per-view. Because I I think he's upset because people keep complaining that it's four hours and all that stuff. I'll take a four-hour pay-per-view one night, then two three-hour pay-per-views the six hours like it i'm not really concerned about the hours i'm more concerned about both days i just don't think it's smart yeah i mean as a fan who's usually just gonna watch from home for the most part it doesn't really affect me too much right um but 
that's definitely a big thing to consider when you're going live to the show, especially, I mean, having like having to be there for both days or only going to one of the two and feeling the FOMO of, of choosing the wrong one or something. And, and being in an AEW crowd, that's a different animal, dude. Like you can't just, it's not where you just sit there and you're just like in your chair and you cheer here or there. Like you are exhausted. And to do that two nights in a row, that's asking a lot. Like I, I just, I don't like the idea at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for the way AEW operates, I prefer them just to keep doing the one, the one night, but at the same time, I'm going to be just as excited. I'll watch it. I'll yeah, watch for it. Sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. And I mean, if you stack both nights and, and I'm sure they will to get oh, yeah. people to buy both pay-per-views, but I just, ugh, it's, but I mean, it's it's double tickets, it's double pay per view revenue. I mean, maybe that's what they'll want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. Double or nothing kicked his butt. SummerSlam, he was chilling. Like that's that's really what it's like. Like I I did two nights of WrestleMania, and I mean, I can't imagine if I was at two nights of AEW. Like that's that's a lot. I'm yeah. getting old, man. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. So I wanted to get into this. Um, so one thing that really surprised me about this is I guess I just didn't know a lot about Lex Luger. Like I definitely knew about him. I remember him as a kid. I remember him as like the narcissist and the narcissist and then um, him slamming Yokozuna. Like that's my distinct memories of him. But what's funny is, is when I think about Lex Luger, I think about him in WCW. Because after that, you know, he was a big part of WCW and feuded with the NWO and then joined the Wolfpack and all that stuff. So, um, but I just didn't know like a lot about him. I never really looked into his story. I didn't know that he was like a football player and had like attitude issues and was like extremely cocky and then like basically just quit the Packers to be a pro wrestler. Um, I mean, I get that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Why not? (laughs) And he was an offensive lineman, too. I thought that was interesting. Um, but I I just didn't know a lot about him. And I thought it was crazy that, like, Vince um, brought him in to be, like, the spokesperson for his bodybuilding company. I had no idea about that. None. And I remember him getting in the accident, but I didn't think of, like, uh, that – that's why he never like competed in the bodybuilding competition. Like if he never got in that accident, he probably was going to be in the bodybuilding competition. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I'd have definitely a way different perspective on Lex Luger because I'm a little bit younger than you and also was a WCW fan. Like they didn't see most of these people in the WWF before they had come to WCW. Yeah. And like, especially in like the, the mid nineties. Like, keep in mind for me, like, especially, like, during that Lex Express time, like, WCW doesn't exist, in my opinion. Like, as a kid, like, I didn't even pay attention to WCW. I knew of certain wrestlers, and mainly because, like, I saw figures at a store or something like that. But, like, I, when I talked to my friends about it, we talked about WWF. We never talked about WCW. I never was interested in WCW. I only found out about guys from WCW once they came to the WWF. Right, right. So, so for me, when I really started watching him was like, it was early 90s WCW, but it was after 
it had to have been after the it, it would have had to have been when he when he showed up on Nitro. Would have had to have okay. been when so I after first all of that. Yeah, it would have had but I feel like I I feel like I knew who he was, but at the same time it's hard to remember what I because once again, this is like what nineteen ninety five. So I'm like eight years old or whatever it is, seven years old, and I'm like uh so I had seen a little bit of wrestling. Like I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I knew who Randy Savage was. Like I, you know, there were like certain people I knew. And I feel like Lex Luger was one of those guys. It might have been because the Sega Genesis game. I think Lex Luger was in the WWF Sega Genesis game, and I had played yeah, that was. before. So he like was. I had some sort of understanding of of who Lex Luger was. So some degree, like it wasn't a complete... the American Trunks or the the narcissist. Well, so that all kind of blurs because there's also like this weird thing for me where I like picture him and sting together with him and like blue trunks and like sting and like the colorful. So I, so that had to have been, that had to have been it before he went to WCW, went to WCW. Yeah. Yeah. So, but also you have to understand too, I grew up in, in, in Atlanta. So like, I had all these, all the, like the TBS and the Turner networks and I had WCW and like syndication and stuff too. Like, so I would randomly see like old WCW footage, not realizing how old it was in comparison to what I was watching live. And I was also renting WCW VHS tapes of pay-per-views that had happened before what I was watching live. So it was really hard for me to like know the exact timeline of what I was seeing. Right. So it's like, I'm already like watching the NWO kind of happening, but I'm also watching like Vader wrestle Hulk Hogan on a pay-per-view and being like, wait, how long ago was this? You know what I mean? And he, as a kid, it's hard to comprehend two years as like a kid versus like two years as an adult. It's just, so my perspective is really weird. What, what I will say that I vividly remember one of my favorite memories in all of being a wrestling fan, I would actually consider this to probably be the most important, the most infor- important um, moment for me as a wrestling fan that probably kept me a fan for life was when Lex Luger beat Hulk Hogan on WCW Nitro in 1997 yeah. for that title. I remember being pissed. at my, yeah, well, no, you were pissed because you were a Hogan guy. Pissed. But for me, it was like finally seeing a good guy beat the evil Hulk Hogan for the title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you didn't have to order pay-per-view to watch it. Right. As a matter of fact, I remember it was something where either I didn't have school the next day or for some reason I was spending the night at, I'll never forget it. It was a guy I didn't talk to in like two decades, but his name is Tom Jackson. I was, I was at Tom Jackson's house. I still remember the room we Shout were sitting out Tom. in. Shout out Tom Jackson, wherever he's at nowadays. We were sitting in his like bonus room. And I remember it was like one of those rooms that like wasn't a real room. They just kind of made it one. Cause like the ceiling was like real low at like this weird angle. And you kind of had to like cram in weird and they, they stuck a TV in there. And I just remember both of us just glued to the TV and just celebrating when Lex Luger beat uh, Hulk Hogan for that title. And I had already watched WCW for a few years at this point because I had gotten in in like 1994. This happened in 1997. So I had seen the progression of like Lex Luger as Sting's friend and then Lex Luger um, kind of fighting against the NWO and being, you know, a part of the reason why Sting turn into the the crow version of sting and all this stuff and like so for when luger won that title that was like 
that was huge for me as a fan because I was like, oh my God, someone can beat Hulk Hogan for the title. And if, if I remember correctly, he lost it like a week or two yeah. later. Yeah, he but, didn't have it very long at all. But that moment was humongous for me. And it also gave me the feeling that anything could happen on a live wrestling show. Like, yeah, you know, because I really didn't think Lou was going to win that night. And he did. And not only did he win, he fought off the NWO. Like he he, he knocked like Savage out of the ring. And like he fought them off and, and, and tapped out Hogan to the, to the torture rack. Well, like, funny is the torture rack, right? You're just like this. And I'm yeah. like, dude, Hogan's arm is just shaking. He's not actually tapping. Like oh, right. he, you're he convincing him, you know, yourself. Like, I'm trying yeah. to convince him, Like he didn't lose. Like this is yeah. a joke. What do we do it? Lex Luger? No, you know, like, but yeah. That's yeah. All good. One thing that I found fascinating about the the bodybuilding stuff was I knew that Lex had, obviously this is much later I, I found out this stuff, but I knew that Lex was a part of the bodybuilding stuff that Vince was doing. But yeah. in my timeline, I thought that that was all pre-narcissist. So I thought that like he initially had come in as like Vince just thought he was like a good looking guy who maybe knew a little bit of wrestling from like the NWA, WCW or whatever. But, like, I didn't realize that he was under WCW contract while he was doing that because technically he wasn't wrestling. So WCW right. couldn't prevent him from doing the bodybuilding, even though it right. was on Vincent Man's television. Which that, yeah. I that's, had no idea that's how that was. That's dirty, but genius. Like, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's the type of stuff motivated Vince McMahon would do. You know what I mean? But, you know, what's funny is that that bodybuilding – like I've never really seen a lot of footage of it. I mean, it had the exact same logo as the WWF, but just like in the the way that they had it. And then like they were still trying to like cut promos, and uh, it looked bad. Like everything that Vince has done outside of wrestling is just not really gone great. I mean, the XFL is a uh, but yeah. overall like no. But I'll say this with Luger. So like the narcissist was. Uh, I knew exactly who he was, but I didn't understand like the character at first, but he was so obnoxious because he would, all he would do is flex and he'd be in this amazing shape. But like, it was known that like he got in a motorcycle accident and he had a steel plate in his elbow and he would use it. Right. And then you would get super pissed because you believed that his elbow was full of steel. And it was like, dude, this is crap. Like, he just knocked the guy out. He's cheating. And the ref would never call him on it. And you're like, this is bull crap, you know? So, like, as a heel. But what was genius about the Yoko thing was, is, like, they made such a big deal out of who could slam Yoko Zuna. I'm pretty sure it was on 4th of July. And, like, it was like a special. Like, it was just some random special. They had, like, basketball players come up and try to slam Yoko. They had, like, actual athletes. And, like, nobody could do it. And then here comes the narcissist in an American flag on a helicopter, or, like, an American flag shirt in a helicopter and goes up there and slams Yokozuna. And then, like, immediately you're like, oh, this is our guy. You know, <laughs> he's fighting for America and, like, all aboard, right? Like it was the Lex Express, I'll be your hero, all that stuff. But, like... It's funny when they show the camera footage of him back there because he absolutely hates it and he's so annoyed by like a bunch of the fans and it, it's it, not everyone can do it right. Um, so I I think that it was uh, I, I think it was an interesting story, but that's really what I remember. And then like I like I said, I remember him going to WCW. You know, he showed up at that first Nitro. Eric Bischoff gave him a low ball offer, which was a really shady thing to do, but he really didn't like Lex Luger. 
But I thought it was cool that he made up for it and gave him a better deal later on when he earned it. Um, and then, like, the the whole, uh, you know, beating Hogan, becoming champion. He was a main event guy for a lot. Like, I don't think he gets a lot of credit that he deserves. He, he was basically damn near main event from when he debuted at WCW to, like, the time he left wrestling. Like, even in WWF, like, he was a big deal. Like, he's never – he he wasn't just one of those guys that was just there. Like, he, he always found a way to make himself relevant. When he was one of, like, probably the first real examples in, like, modern-day pro wrestling of a guy who just looked so good physique-wise that they just couldn't yeah. – he couldn't be anything other than pushed. Right. He just, like, looked weird if he was losing to people with the way that he looked. Like, if this right. is – the way that fans saw it back then, if this is real at all, like how would this guy lose to people, <laughs> you know? Right. So, um, so, so he, you know, so he was in a, he was in kind of a losing, it was a sinker swim position, like from the very start of his career. But then, you know, later on, once again, living in Atlanta and him being in Atlanta, you know, they, they showed on the documentary, Marietta, Georgia is where uh, Liz overdosed. And, you know, I, I, grew up in Marietta, Georgia, like that exact city. And it was in, there was for like, it felt like years, maybe it was just months, but it felt like years. Um, like I would see Lex Luger's uh, like stuff about him on the news, getting arrested locally. And and like that was when newspapers, like they were still all over the place. Like you'd see his picture in newspapers that he was arrested. And like, you would just like, so I knew that like things were really bad for Lex Luger. Cause I was seeing it like way more than the average fan was. And then I remember when Liz overdosed and they, uh, it started getting like a lot of coverage in like a lot of local coverage. And it was, it was wild. Like I remember, uh, sitting in the car and the radio was going, I was listening with my dad and my brother. And it's really sad to say that. I mean, it was funny at the time because it was like edgy humor, the kind of stuff that I liked, but these guys were making fun of Lex Luger. I mean, like they were just making fun of him after, after, uh, like radio, like DJs, you know, they were all like, cause, yeah. cause they just looked at him as this meathead drug addict that right. like, ruined this woman's life. And they didn't really know much about Liz. And they just thought, you know, and they were just, and because like they had covered Lex Luger probably month after month, like the, the, the saga of, Oh, this wrestler gets arrested again. Let's see what he did this time. Oh, how many DUIs has it been this, this time, you know? So it's like people locally had, were, had been following the, the, the demise of, of him for a while. And it was really sad to see it as such a big, you know, I consider Randy Savage the main reason why I like really became a fan of wrestling. He was the first wrestler really attached to, and a big part of his presentation Same. was Liz. And yep. it was always real. It felt like dirty almost seeing Liz with Lex, yep. especially when you knew that there were so many drugs involved, and she yep. seemed like such the pure. Yeah. You know, and so it. It, in, in in him too, he seemed like that's the, what I'm saying. All American like, even John, him too. Like, yep. Yeah, so it was sad. I was really, like when really I sad. when I first heard the phone call of him calling about her dying. I mean, it just was so weird because you just had never heard Lex Luger like that at all. Like it was just like, wow, you know, like, and that's what, like, like in that in the time where like all wrestling, all the secrets are being revealed, and you start to really see like the human side of these people and everything, and just we started to see a lot of things that we just never thought we would ever hear or see. And it, it's, it's, it, it, it really like 
made you be like, wow, this really is all scripted. And, you know, you, like I said, you see the human side of things that you're never supposed to hear. And then, uh, on, uh, and the thing is, is like when you think of Lex Luger, you can't help but think of Elizabeth now. Like it's right. just impossible, and that sucks. Like that, that part sucks. One thing that I didn't really realize that you said that you did because you live there locally, but like I didn't realize how many times he was getting arrested, oh, how yeah. many times he was like, like his life was completely out of control, and um. I thought it was cool that like Sting really was on that documentary and was able to talk about him and, and their relationship. Cause I always knew they were close friends and I'm pretty sure they owned a gym together. They, they own a few gyms together. Yeah. Right. So like, um, but I thought they had a falling out. And so uh, I w- it was good to hear that like they were cool with each other and uh, looks like Sting ended up baptizing him and, this was one thing like, and I'm not going to preach about God or anything, but I do find it fascinating when guys just hit complete rock bottom, how a lot of them turn to God and it ends up saving them. Because what's crazy to me is you had this cocky, arrogant, like prick of Lex Luger that everyone described backstage who is now paralyzed and weigh it is a shell of himself and looks more happy than ever like looks completely at peace and has fun with the fans and like, is just happy to be alive. And, and uh, man, like that's, that's crazy to me because you would think that that guy, once he found out that he was going to be paralyzed and can no longer be that Lex Luger, you know, like he would have no more will to live. And uh, it, it, it was, it's just a pretty crazy story. Yeah. And I thought it was, uh, you know, I think it's true what he was saying before the end of the documentary where he was talking about how if he if he would have been the person he is mentally like now back then he's like my career would have been totally different i would have been like this locker room leader and like they could have trusted me with the company and i would have been fan friendly and like and he would have been the next hulk hogan he would have been their john cena like that was vince wanted him to be that guy you know and he just wasn't at the time um and i'm not a religious person i'm not gonna like you know but i i will say you know that there's a lot of examples of that stings an example hbk's an Shawn example. Michaels, yep. yeah i mean there's a there's a lot of examples of that not just in wrestling i mean and whether it's christianity or judaism or any sort of like spirituality like i'm i'm all for people like whether it's you want to call it religion or spiritual or or, or just well, even if you're an atheist or agnostic or whatever it is, like just having some sort of just peace with like, just like life, you know, I think yeah. that's the thing with someone like Lex Luger was to him. It's like, you got the best body in the world. All the chicks want you. You're the best athlete. I mean, you, everything is great. And it's just like, they probably just think, what am I here for? Okay. I guess I'm here to make the most money I can. Like I got the, I got the body, I got the athleticism and then you just get right. in your own head and your ego gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and those kind of things, because you have it all. So it's like you just want more and more and more because you don't know why you're here or what you're doing. And then also, you lose everything. whenever you're that great, right? Whenever you have so much going on, it's hard for them to admit they have a problem. Like they can't see it. Like it's like, I'm like, sugar, I'm not a drug addict. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just need a couple pills. It's fine, you know? And then it's like, dude. How many times you got to get arrested? How many times you got to get pulled over for it to, to sink in? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. It, but like, I've seen him 
and and honestly, like it really made me think differently of him. Like, because when I've seen him, I saw him at Fitterman and I've seen him at WrestleCon, and it's like you immediately feel sorry for him. Like you immediately look at that and you're like, oh man, that's awful. Like, can you can you look at like I remember talking to somebody and they were like, man, look at Lex Luger. Like, dude, like he used to be jacked and now like he's in a wheelchair. Like, man, that sucks. And like, but he's he's fine. He's happy. He's at peace. And and that to me is such a great great thing because that's rare. That's rare when tragedy strikes as hard as it has on that guy for him to just be glad that. He can move around on his own enough to make by and still do meet and greets and the meet the fans, something that he hated. Now he's doing basically for a living. Like um, it's just, it's just an inspirational story. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real example of that. People can change. I mean, like he's a completely different human being now, even the way he talks about things, he's like, it's, it's a refreshing kind of uh it's it's tragic and sad kind of the way things wound up for him physically but like on like a mental or just like sense of belonging type scenario like mindset and stuff like it's i mean it, it's one of those things where like it, it's it's when you hear him because he's not one of those guys that, that how do you say it when he's talking about his former self he looks at it so reasonably that he's like Oh yeah, I could totally see why people didn't like me for this reason or this reason. Like yeah. I changed that about myself. Like I changed this about myself. Like yeah, they they totally have the right to feel the way they do about me back then for this or that. And like, and it's like he just he he even sees himself in a, as a, like a completely different human being that he's on the outside looking in at. And it's like it's just kind of refreshing to hear. Like you know, I I saw <clears throat> some article or some headline or something when I was scrolling through my feed that I think he said that if he's inducted into the, into the WWE hall of fame, that he'll try to walk onto the stage. Oof. And uh, I mean, but that was, tissue box. Oh yeah. I was to say box. if he, if he, if he even gets a couple steps off on that, on that stage, like that'll be, yeah, that'll be incredible. And I mean, he, he more than deserves to be in the WWE hall. Of oh, fame, like, 100%. So hundred percent. Like, yeah, dude, the less express is something that I'll remember forever. Like it, it, whether you and see, that's where I have a hard time with like failures and succeeds. Like people will say, oh, that was a total bomb. But like, dude, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old and I remember it, you know, when it was happening when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I'm sure the people that made three ninjas 30 year anniversary, by the way. I'm sure the people that made three ninjas don't think that it was that big of a deal or whatever, but like still to this day, we could find anybody around our age group and we can say three ninjas and they're going to be like, Oh yeah, man, that was my movie. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's things that people don't view as successful, but others do. And I mean, in my opinion, Lex Luger's pro wrestling career was a huge success unquestionably you could even take out his entire wwf run and he should get in on his wcw merit alone easy yep. like i mean it's like it's it's like it's almost like was staying but he had like that little small run in wwe but like lex luger had a legit run in wwe as well and so like you add it together like that should be clear enough to be put in Yep, and all one billion percent now the next time i'm at like target and i see his figure i'm definitely getting the. <laughs> I mean, for sure. 
And I think that's that's important for a lot of these guys to get those figures because now fans have an incentive to go get a figure sign. Whether if you felt somewhat uncomfortable meeting him or whatever, like now you're going to go get your figure sign and you're fine with it. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I think it's great for the legends to get stuff like that so they're always remembered. Okay, so and just real quick off topic, but like, okay, Three Ninjas, 30-year anniversary, you said. Yeah. Um which is wild that we're saying that. That makes me feel very yeah. old. Um, has there been any talk of like a NECA three pack or anything? Or this? I mean, they're not gonna. They got to put out some sort of action figure, at least some sort of merch. Like, give me a T-shirt Something. I can wear. I agree. I yeah. agree. And it was Touchstone, so Disney owns it. Give me a That's random cool. figure of the girl that teaches them ninja in Japan in the second movie, or the technically the third movie, but. <laughs> We don't have to go down that whole rabbit hole. Yeah, let's not. Let's not. Give me yeah. her with a baseball mitt. Yeah, let's go. All right. Anyways, um, just take. I'll, I'll take an Emily. <laughs> yeah, Emily. Yeah, we'll take. With we the bike. All of Rocky's different girlfriends. Let's give me, give me Emily with the bike. The bike. Got to give me that kid in uh in kickback who uh eats beans during the baseball game, and, like rips ass all around I'll, all around the bases. I'll take. I'll take a the three pack of the robbers. Dude, dude. Oh, dude, dude. The where's where's dude. my fish guy? Oh, yeah, the uh, yeah, the uh, the yeah, the the metalhead looking dude. To uh, not not the stomach, dude. <laughs> oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> so man, good. so you got to get the grandpa, uh, oh, Mori yeah. Shintaro. Well, Mori yeah. Tanaka, and then Mori Shintaro. They changed his name. There's a lot of stuff that I still need to get answers about for that whole. Yeah. That whole, uh, anyway. But anyway, yeah, they got they got to put out some sort of three ninjas merch for us. Come on, fun times. Yes. What's up, Chris? Thanks for the super chat. I appreciate it. Evening, guys. Doug, I know we discussed this earlier, but I still think it warrants super chat. Brett F and Maher, what the f? Yeah, dude, it's awful. I'm so upset with it. <laughs> I I don't even know what what we're doing. Like, dude, there's got to be a kicker that gets cut because they just don't have room for like a like maybe like uh, the Ravens bring in a kicker to try to just get some experience and put him in the pipeline and there's no way he's taking Tucker's job so they cut him like there's got to be something out there that's better than Brett freaking Mahar like I cannot deal with that I I will oh god just no <laughs> I think the goal is is there's a guy named like he has a weird name. Um, I can't pronounce it right don't now. Even, sure don't I'll, even try, please. I'm sure I will <laughs> pronounce it when he misses effing kicks and I'll go <laughs> off. But uh, anyways, I really think the goal is for him to win the job. And then Brett Maher is like the backup in case that doesn't work out. But either way, I'm not happy. Like, you just make a trade. I don't care. Go get a kicker. This is This is nonsense. Yeah, you don't want to be dealing with that during the season. That's the worst. When you have a kicker that's struggling and you don't have a backup and, like, you have to make the decision. Man, that's happened. Listen, listen, I think that we could find a backup in, during the season that is better than this clown. It's possible. It, it's very possible. Um, But, like, there's also – dude, uh, what's his name? Uh, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Carlson from uh, Oakland. Their kicker, mm -hmm. who's like really good, mm -hmm. we drafted him, and in like three games into his rookie year, we were like, "You suck," and we just we, and we drafted him in like the third round or something. Like it was like a really early pay. We drafted, we 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 traded down to get him in that round too. Mm -hmm. Like we were like, "All right, 
We're done with this BS at, at field goal kicking. We're going to just, we're going to get a surefire kid out of college. Who's going to be our guy for the next decade and just get it out of the way right now and take care of it. And he missed some big field goals in the first like three weeks of the season. And we just cut him. And then uh, he went to Oakland and apparently like the coaching staff saw him kick, like when he showed up there and they were like, Oh yeah. Take half a step this direction before you, before you go walk up to the ball. And that changed everything. Like the, the coaching staff in Minnesota just gave up on him. And like the coaching staff in Oakland immediately detected the issue, fixed it. And he's been like the best kicker in the league for like the last few seasons. It's like, it's amazing. Mike Zimmer was such a bad coach. Like when I look back on it, he had a couple decent years. Cause we were so, we were just happy to have something better than Brad Childers. Cause we were happy to have something yep. better than Mike Tice. Cause we were yep. happy to have something better than Leslie Frazier. Cause we were happy. <laughs> you <know>. Listen, <laughs> like we, we had Wade Phillips and then we had Jason Garrett and now yeah. we have Mike McCarthy. So, I mean, like, I get it. I get it. And like, when I had Jason Garrett, I was like, yeah, you know, there's good things about him. And, like, he's definitely changed the culture and all that, which I, I do think there's things about him that work. I think he would be a great college coach, honestly. But, like, he just can't get you over the hump that you need to get to. And he's too old school, like his philosophies and things. And I think the same thing with Zimmer as well. And I was like – yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I defend him, but now that he's gone, I'm just like, yeah, that was a bad idea. We wasted a lot of years on that with a lot of players. Like, you know, you always look back and it's like it things could have been a lot different if we would have done this or that. And it's part of the part of the game. Yeah, I know uh is it Wes Phillips that the Vikings have now? Is that his name? The It's his son. His son. Yeah. Yeah. I'm man. For those of you who don't know, me, Doug, and our buddy Rob Wilkins are doing uh, Fightful's football show. It's Fightful Foot Fightful Football Weekly starting uh, August 27th, I believe it is. So in like a couple weeks, uh, that'll be on the Fightful Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/slash Fightful Gaming. So if y'all enjoy me and Doug talking football, we'll still do it here on live rounds. You know, mainly with our Vikings and and Cowboys and stuff, but like. If you like hearing us talk about football and you want more of it, that's going to be coming soon. So hopefully I'll join us over there. For sure. All right. We got one more topic before we bounce. Um, what is what's left? What am we missing? Oh, that's Ross right. And Scarlett that's right. are back in the WWE. Uh, what do you think is that? Like a lot of other guys are coming. You think that's a big sign to come and how fast it all came about. I mean, Cross was in Ric Flair's last match and he's already showing up on SmackDown. What do you think about the signing and how they were used? Like, what, what are your overall thoughts about all this? So I had heard rumors that he had turned down AEW multiple times since leaving WWE. So that makes a lot more sense now. Cause I, when I, cause I had actually heard a little bit about that before he went back to WWE, just kind of through the grapevine a little bit. And I was like, why would he be that stupid? Like, AW is his best case scenario by far. I thought AW wasn't going to be interested in him, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I was like, damn, MLW. Like, I like MLW, don't get me wrong. But, like, money-wise and, and contract-wise, it usually isn't the best scenario for people. Um, anyway, I was a little confused as to, like, Free why... Jacob Fatu. Right, right. Um, I mean, Vance Warner, like, I think, like, was recently freed, technically. Like, 
the he he's he had the weirdest contract situation ever with MLW. It went on for years. Um, anyways. Um, and by the way, shout out to Mance Warner wrestling Moxley on AEW. I thought it was pretty funny seeing that there were some people that are really angry over that. <laughs> like, okay, like uh, you know, I think it's dope. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Especially because he won the Buck Buck House Battle Royal thing at on Player Show, and that made sense. Yeah. I mean, just oh and, and they can by winning that, it kind of made him like the number one contender in AEW. Kind of like, but that kind of like mixes <laughs> the whole pro wrestling thing together, which I like that Forbidden Door aspect of it. Well, I mean, it could have just as easily been John Moxley defending the GCW title against yeah. Vance Warner. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um. But anyway, I uh, as as far as so I that's all to say. I was a little confused when I heard that there was interest in AEW for Cross, and he and he didn't seem interested. Um, but now that makes a lot more sense, and I think that um, I think that there's been quite a few wrestlers clued in that Triple H like to 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 just sit tight. Like I think Bray Wyatt was just sitting tight. Like Gargano, Gargano sitting tight. Yeah, there's certain guys like Adam Cole that might have known, but they're like. Uh, that still doesn't outweigh being able to wrestle with my best friends again. You know what I mean? Like, plus his girlfriend um, is there. His girlfriend, like, there's a lot of things. Yeah, right. So I think, but I think some people were kind of clued in to some degree. Um, but who who knows for sure? But uh, to to see Cross back, yeah, I think I think more more is coming. Uh, there 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 will be more wrestlers that return. That's that's Loomis returned on Raw last night. I saw. Yeah. Um, so which I've never been a fan ever. Honestly, me either. Um, uh-huh. I respect I respect the fact that he's that he's been as successful as he has been because I, I don't think he's very good in the ring. But the uh-huh. gimmick is interesting with the right story. But it but it has he, to be the right story. He's committed to the gimmick, that's for sure. Yes. Um. But yeah, I mean, seeing carrying the, the what's what's the most interesting, honestly, about the whole thing is okay. So carrying Cross and Scarlet are back. She's back as a part of his presentation. That's all yeah. well and good same music right like that's what's really telling is the last time we saw Karrion cross on wwe television he was like like a bdsm gimp warrior type trojan thing that like nobody understood that was losing to you know just he was jobbing out like it was just a joke yep. and but coming back he's immediately like the number two heel on SmackDown, he immediately attacks Drew McIntyre, who's like their number one baby face. Like, yep. so Triple H is basically saying, like, if you're one of my guys, you're getting like, like we we, we don't have to rebuild you. Like, I know yeah. what you are. The, the fans that follow I, the NXT know what you are. So, like, I mean, I thought, I thought when he was gonna be done in NXT and he got put to the main roster, I thought he was going straight to the main event. Like, that's what I expected because he dominated NXT. Right. And I think he's 35, so he doesn't have a ton of time to, like, waste of just trying to work his way up. And he's they don't have a lot of guys that are that size. And so uh, he mixes right in there with a, a Roman Reigns, a Drew McIntyre, things like that. So I, I'm not surprised by it. Um, it's funny because I talked to him at WrestleCon, and – I told him that like, you know, I like what you do like on your vignettes on tw- on like Twitter and like YouTube, like the actual you. I think you should have done more of that there. And then he explained to like how he, you know, he couldn't do that there and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm not a big fan of that place. He's like, I'm not either. So it's like, 
you know, he's he's trashing WWE, not a fan of it, but one it just goes to show you how things completely change people's perspective when someone else like Triple H is in charge. So uh I, I do think it's interesting, but I, I think it's good. I think it's good fresh blood for SmackDown, new feuds, new things to do. I I always wanted to see that entrance in front of like 15,000 people because that entrance is badass and I think the crowd will be really into it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I, think it's, I think it's a good move for them and it makes sense. And it really makes me wonder like how much Triple H has been on the phone with some of these guys and just been like, listen, something's about to go down. Sit That's what tight. I'm saying, yeah. Like two, two, three months and this whole thing has changed. Like do not sign anywhere I will let you know as soon as you can come, like, you know what I mean? And then they're just taking bookings here or there, just showing up when they can, and then, boom, there they are. But then you also got guys like Gallows and Anderson that, like, were told, like, you don't want to walk away from here because it's life-changing money for your families, and, like, they, they fire them, you know? It's like, right. so you never really know. But then when Triple – I think once Triple H, like, <clears throat> it's, like, official, like, Vince is gone, he's in charge of talent – Stephanie and Nick Connor are running the company. Then it's like, oh, this is real. Like this is real now. Like I can, I can go back, and there's an actual, there's actual change. So, well, and it's just such a crazy story. Like I wish this was made into a TV show because this is literally like everything that he did was stripped away and destroyed, and now he's in charge of everything. Like it's right. crazy plot, right? It's a crazy story. And so it's like, oh, you fired this person? I'm bringing them back. Oh, you don't want to push this person? I'm pushing them. Like, it's it's just a, a totally different philosophy change. And uh, I think it's some damn good reality TV. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this next six months or so. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, and like you've said as well, like this, there's going to be more coming. It'll, it, there's going to be people from the Indies coming in. There's going to be people from uh other companies that you're gonna see um jumping ship to wwe again i think oh you're gonna see people that were released by the wwe that are just kind of floating around get re-signed um i think triple h is gonna be out to make a statement like this is gonna be a fun place to work again and like we want to get yeah if you you if you grew up your whole life wanted to be a wwe superstar like feel good about this opportunity now. Like, like, you know, there's a lot of people it's unfortunate seeing people who, uh, you know, their whole life, they wanted to work for the WWE. And then like, they just, because of just where it got you with Vince, they were like, I'd, I'd rather just not even write, like, this is a dream job. This is my dream, but I, I don't want to do this anymore. And now triple H yeah. might kind of be able to provide, like, this is your, this is still your dream job. Like, like come back here. I'm going to, I'm going to show you what this is all about. So, well, um, it's it's exciting times for wrestling. I mean, yeah. as much as I as as little as I might <laughs> really pay attention to the current WWE product, like I can't stress it enough. I I want it to get back to a point like that where I'm tuning in every Monday to Raw, like really excited to watch the show. Like I I think it's possible. It's just it's just and stuff like this is good is a good sign towards that already bringing back people in, pushing different people. Even Raw on Monday, I didn't watch the show, but like I said, I, I saw that the Miz and AJ. Um, the, 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 the show ended, which is like a main event match. AJ Styles won. It looks like they're pushing AJ again, which is awesome. Cause AJ should always get pushed. And Dexter Loomis kind of like was in the crowd and got taken away by security. So there was like a little extra 
there for for to kind of sink your teeth into for next week and it seemed pretty it, it seemed like a did a, 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 from what I, from the little bit i saw of it it seemed like a pretty decent show so it's i think they're heading in the right direction yeah no there was also i was trying to look for it i can't find it right now but also like seth rollins like referred to dana white to like basically like if you want to <laughs> oh. know about uh how big of a loser riddle is talk to dana white or something like that like i don't think stuff like that would have happened with vince vince around so totally agree i there's definitely like you can definitely see that there's some changes but it's nothing that's like completely changed everything like the culture and everything but it's it's baby steps and you're starting to see it but what i love about it too is like tony khan is not handicapped to combat this so it's like whatever you want to do i can bring it too and i can do whatever i want i'll stack this thing like you want to have a huge show i'll do kenny omega and cm punk at wrigley field now what you know what i mean and then like let's go you know let's go to war yeah yeah i I, I love i love the idea all that and uh chase oliver is saying that they were building the whole night that there was a, a car crash and who caused it. And, and that, that was why Loomis was in the crowd getting taken away by security. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, the riddle, the riddle, <laughs> that's funny that they're kind of going there with riddle and uh, Seth Rollins. And I mean, triple H has, has made it clear in interviews since, since taking over creative that he's uh, he wants a collaboration. Like, and you can already see, little changes and little things that I think are going to lead to like bigger overall um, changes. Like, like last week, I remember bringing up how impressed I was with even just the finish of the Dolph Ziggler versus Miz versus AJ Styles match where, uh, or sorry, it was Ali. It was Ali, um, yeah. AJ and Miz. And with Ali hitting that 450 and then the AJ clash. The, and, and just right there, you're like, that was a collaboration, like 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 yeah. like a like a, a writing team one billion percent didn't come up with that. Like AJ right. and Mustafa came up with that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's so it, it it's it's promising for the future of the company. I think. Yeah, fun times, man. It's uh, it's gonna be a fun end of the like all the way till the end of the year. I think it's gonna be really competitive. I think a lot of people are gonna bring their best stuff. I think most people will be back from injury. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if Cody like tries to come back around like late November, December type stuff. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll see what happens. The, the rumor for that is that apparently like doctors and the WWE don't want to give Cody the expected timeline because they expect him to want to just beat it by so much that like they want to save him from himself. So they're yeah. not even telling him like, eight months or whatever because they're like okay if he hears eight months he's gonna like make it a goal to be back in like three or whatever so like guaranteed <laughs> guaranteed he called cena and he was just like how do you do this what do you yeah. gotta do yeah what and do then, i need to take yeah. <laughs> so. what do i need to take what do i got to uh how many times do i have to work out a day like how much should i double up on my physical therapy like i'm, I'm sure that he's doing everything he can to come back yeah, I will say this a little, little behind the scenes. Um, I, I, y'all, y'all will hear the interview on Thursday morning on the uh, on the spotlight with me and Jeremy over on Fightful. But we uh, <coughs> said at the top of the show we interviewed Diamond Sheik and Jameson Ryan from the Nightmare Factory 
um or from the well yeah the, like the actual nightmare factory like the the training school in atlanta and um Sheik was telling me that he hasn't seen cody since like june because we were asking if like if like cody's been around like training and like trying to get back and he's still involved and they like they, they stay in contact with him but he had from what i understand and they could have been kayfabe me too like for i really don't know but it, right. it sounded like cody hasn't been in there like in front of other people like like getting back in the ring and like working out in front of people and stuff yet so i don't think there's any way of like really being able to gauge exactly where he's at i'm sure a very a very small circle knows where he's at at this point so yeah i think a lot of it just is like making sure that you just get your rehab done and the rest of it is like you don't want to really do much else like there's like a lot of times like uh, when players are hurt, they don't even get on the team flights because it affects them for rehabbing. So they just do their rehab every day and they don't leave. So, but Cody was at Comic Con. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know um, what his schedule's looking like, but uh, I, I'm sure he's doing everything he can to come back as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, good, uh, good probably stopping point. Real quick, though. Before we yeah. get out of here, uh, quick prediction for uh, this weekend: Cheeto and Dominic Cruz. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I think, I think that this is where Dominic Cruz looks old, and I think Cheeto's going to win. I think Cheeto's going to win, and I think Cruz is going to look like he's probably should be putting the gloves up. I think Cruz is still a really good fighter, but yep. I, but I do think that Vera is just the he's just the next the next generation of them like he's just i think cruz is just a little bit slower now and all yeah. those movements that he did he's starting to get caught and i right. think that that's what's gonna that's what's gonna be the difference which is that's i mean that's very dangerous for for because like yeah his fighting style when he was so successful for all those years was so based on his footwork and yep. in, in just like his movement and being awkward in there um yep. And if if he's lost a step, because he's still, I want to say, I want to say, I'm going to pull up his record real quick. I want to say he's still got some pretty quality wins recently. Yeah, like Pedro Munoz and Casey Kenny were both good fighters. He lost the Triple C. Right. But then after that, he beat Casey Kenny. It was a split decision, but it was, it yeah. was a good fight. And then he beat Pedro Munoz by um, unanimous decision after that. So he's won his last two fights. When, when's the last time he fought? Uh, December of 21. Okay. So like six, so, basically eight months, eight months. Yeah. But Cheeto, I still think is like, I just think he's going to be too fast, too hungry. Yep. Um, and the thing is, is Cruz doesn't have the power to hurt Cheeto. So he's just not going to be able to back him off. And then Cheeto eventually, like I said, he's just the movement. And once he figures it out, I don't think he'll land anything significant, like right off the bat. But once he figures it out, I think Cruz is eventually going to get caught. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> the rest of the card is pretty ass. It's not even really worth talking yeah. about. Um, pretty ass. Past, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the the last weekend show, uh, shout out Jamal Hill over Tiago Santos. Yeah, that guy, he's, he's, legit. he's legit. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Jeff Neal's legit, too. He worked with Vicente Luque. I didn't expect he destroyed, that. He destroyed a lot of parlays. Yep. Yep. He destroyed a lot of parlays. Yes, he did. Um, I had, to, I barely, I barely missed one of my parlays 
that included Terrence McKenney because I had him by first round knockout and instead he submitted the guy. I'm like in the first round, like of course he did. Um, after he like pretty much knocked him out. Um, but uh, oh yeah, and also um, goodbye Sam Alvey. I saw that he uh, has parted ways with the UFC as of today. Uh, which Was that eight you know, losses in a row. Or? I mean, they you shouldn't have been. And here's the thing. All right, yeah, I'm gonna count them right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we, yes, he had lost eight in a row, and you, and if you want to count a draw during that, it would be nine that he had. He's has not won um, in his last nine fights, which which eclipses BJ Penn, I believe. I think BJ Penn was like seven in a row. Um, so that's good. That maybe maybe that was the whole point. It was like let's get Sam Alvey on the on the record as like the most UFC losses in a row. Cause like you shouldn't be remembering BJ like that, but like Sam Elvey is much more expensive in the history books. At one point, I mean, even Anderson Silva was talking about BJ Penn being the best fighter in the world. And like, we can't be, he can't have the most losses in a row. I'm, I'm not a Sam Alvey fan. So I'm like, I'm actually kind of happy about all this. If I'm being honest, like this dude, I just always felt it was very disingenuous, like the whole smiling Sam thing and like shaving smiley faces into his head and this whole thing. That's all well and good. But then he would lose a fight and he would like whine about it or like, like throw a fit out running out of the octagon or, or like make excuses. And it was always like, if you're going to be about that energy, be about that energy. Like you're either a happy guy or you're a fake. And I just felt like he was a fake. Yeah. And then when I saw him losing like eight fights in a row, I'm like, why is this guy even still in the octagon? Well, it's like, like I the said, most at least it wasn't BJ. longest tenured irrelevant fighter. Like yeah. even when BJ went on that long losing streak, BJ was also known as like the best fighter in the world at one point. Like Sam right. Alvey, I mean, nothing like nonsense. No, his biggest win his biggest win probably in his whole career is probably a split decision win over Rashad Evans in 2017 when Rashad was when like Rashad was yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's probably his biggest quality win in his whole career. He wow. beat Nate Marquardt by unanimous decision, but that was also in 2017 at the decline at, at the decline of Nate Marquardt's career. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if like Rashad wants to run that one back just to just to get that one back. They could do that so, in bare knuckle. They, they could do that bare knuckle. They could do that in Khabib's little organization oh, right. that he's got going on too. So. Eagle Eagle MMA. That's yeah, right. there you go. Yeah, I actually agree with this. I think this would have probably been a better matchups. Uh, Jan versus Cheeto and Sugar Show versus uh, Cruz. I think that uh, would have been uh, more like a next step for O'Malley, but not like a killer. And then Cheeto and Jan would make more sense based on rankings and things like that. But I'm still looking forward to the Sugar Show versus uh, Jan. Yeah, I, I agree. I think both of those fights make more sense then uh like those two fights make more sense to do than what than what is set up but yep. the big upside for o'malley is if he somehow beats yawn he'll get a title shot if he beat, yeah, if he beats cruz i don't think you get a title shot right after beating cruz if you're o'malley but you beat yawn that that gets you to that to that shot and it all it's probably better it works out this way honestly like for years, people have wanted to see if, if, if O'Malley's legit or not. And if you beat Cruz on his decline, it'd be the same questions. Like, well, you beat Dominic Cruz, but like he's at the end of his career. Like, yeah. how, good is, how good is O'Malley really? Like, O'Malley beats Pure Yawn. It's like, yeah. yeah, title challenger. Like, he's legit. Yeah. 
Um, yep. And Cheeto's already beaten O'Malley, so he's always going to have that. Like, as long as Cheeto keeps winning, he has that in his back pocket that he beat O'Malley. So even yep. if O'Malley somehow goes on some kind of crazy run where he beats Jan and then beats Sterling for the title or something, like if O'Malley is a champion, that's great for Cheeto because Cheeto's always got the rematch in his back pocket. You know, so like, um, I like how things are playing out, but those two matchups you said in the uh, in the chat uh, do I think both of those technically do make more sense. So, yeah, I agree. We get that. rid of the cross and scarlet thing on the bottom. Oh yeah, sorry. It's all right. Boom, gone, gone. All right, guys, great show tonight. Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for everyone who submitted super chat. Appreciate it if you can smash that like button for us. If you haven't, please subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we'll be uh, we'll have an idea when Kenny Omega is coming back. I have a feeling that if if we don't, I, it just feels like this is like a pay per view type dynamite, and I I just feel like there's going to be some type of hint or something for Kenny to tomorrow. Yeah, me too. Me too. And also, uh, the next time y'all are here, me will be on Thursday, the spot that on fightful, check that out over on youtube.com slash fightful. Um, <coughs> I, uh, I was at battle slam this past uh, Sunday and Jade Newman happened to be there in the crowd, uh, hanging out and he had just won the scenic city invitational tournament the night before got, uh, some quick uh, audio with him and, some articles have already started coming out uh, through Fightful from our conversation. So if you want to check that kind of stuff out, um, really the best thing y'all can do to check out my work with Fightful, honestly, is if you just search like Steven Jensen Fightful on, on Google, like my whole author page on their website has like all my stuff on there, except for the Weekender, but that's of course on Fightful Select. So if you want to check all that stuff out, check it out. And uh, uh, by the time, by this time next week, I'll have gone to uh, Championship District Wrestling, which is uh, the company that we're promoting through the interview on Thursday. And uh, shout out to them for the uh, the comp tickets for that as well. Always appreciate that kind of stuff. So, looking forward to that on Sunday. And uh, yeah, looking forward to football starting soon. And got a lot of good stuff coming up this month. So, next week, same time, same place. Doug, you got anything left before we get out of here? No, just follow me on Twitter. You guys enjoy your week. Uh, like I said, we got a full slate of preseason games. Uh, TNA rules, whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever, bro. Right. The choir. Throwback. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to Live Rounds. Make sure you leave a like, leave a comment, and donate to Steven Jensen. He will read out your donations on the next week's show. Also, don't forget to follow Doug Bateman and Steven Jensen on Twitter. And if you like what you heard tonight, check out more Live Rounds episodes.